now, introducing a man who, unlike the Orioles, will never keep his fans waiting. Breaking news, his OnlyFans site will be up and running by Wednesday afternoon, so get those debit or credit cards ready. He is Glenn Clark. Good morning, it is Glenn Clark Radio. I'm disturbed by this thing that John from Little Rock just sent me. Potato salad on a burger. It's a novelty, John. That's not that's not a necessity. That's the way that I look at things in life. Could it be fine? Yeah, it could be fine. But no hamburger needs potato salad, and I feel strongly about that. That's, I think, all we needed to cover this morning, so we'll see you later. Hope you all have a great Monday. Talk to you tomorrow on Glenn Clark Radio. Hey, uh, good morning. It is GCR. I'm Glenn. He's Paul. And um, as I, I kind of always thought might be the case, Paul finally let the cat out of the bag, waited until it was over, but he let it be known the entire time it was no punishment for him to go see Limp Biscuit. He is a dyed-in-the-wool, true blue fan. He was kicking everybody in the nuts all night long. And he had the time of his life going to see Fred Durst and Limp Biscuit last night at UMBC. Just the best time. I have to admit. Yeah, I knew it. I knew. I knew. You were just was, you were Captain Biscuit. I was okay, I was so dreading last uh-huh. night to the point where I even I would never do it because I'm not that kind of guy mm-hmm. but I even considered having Josh just record videos and mm-hmm. send them to me so I could send them to you to make it seem like I mm-hmm. was there but I couldn't do it I'm a man of my mm-hmm. word I'm a man of honor mm-hmm. and so I went. well if you like Limp Biscuit, I'm not sure that's true I'm not sure that's true Paul I had seen plenty of videos of Limp Biscuit performing at Woodstock 99 uh-huh and he was Fred Durst was awful and I thought that's what I was getting last Well, time. he is awful. So I get to this concert, and the first band is this band. So Snot, with a dollar sign, uh-huh. was supposed to be the opening act, yep. and he was he had to cancel for unforeseen circumstances. Well, that's terrible. Right, maybe, maybe because he realized he was on tour with Limp Bizkit. I think it was a runny nose due to cold. Mm, see, no, I see. No I see. Snot. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so then Scowl mm. kicked things off. Mm. And Scowl is this Northern California punk Hard metal band, mm-hmm. um, fronted by this tiny little woman, ah. and all she did for twenty minutes yeah. was stomp around stage, scream, talking at the top of her lungs. She mm-hmm. didn't sing; she just screamed, and it was so bad. I, I, would, I would think that everybody that was at a Limp Biscuit concert would have loved it. It it was so bad, I couldn't help but laugh. It was so hilarious to me, and they tried to get the crowd into it. The the, the the guitarist even chastised the crowd for not knowing how to mosh mm. because nobody was moving. Mm. It, they were so agree. Then the second band comes out and they were more musically talented, mm-hmm. but <laughs> it was a train wreck. The lead singer, the lead male vocalist, he jumps into the crowd to crowd surf while he's rapping, screaming, singing. He gets about 10 feet in and then they throw him back over the barrier onto the floor. So then he gets back up on the barrier and tries to jump onto the stage holding his tech's hand, and his tech drops him mm-hmm. on the ground again. The, I think that's all part of the experience. The tech, at some point, randomly jumped off stage into the crowd and started rapping, and he was more talented than the other two vocalists. Okay. All right, all right. You, 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 nobody cares. Nobody cares about the opening band's Limp Bizkit concert. Nobody actually cares about Limp Bizkit, but we'll get to that. I'm just saying why this was amazing. Her, and then her guitar fell apart, and they put it back together okay. with okay. duct tape Okay. while she was performing. Anyway, okay. Limp Bizkit comes on, uh-huh. and Fred Durst, the entire concert, wore this wig under a backwards hat 
with a he shorts a wig. With, yes, because he's bald. Um, with a mechanics jumpsuit. Okay. And they treated this whole thing like a '90s house party. And I expected him to sound terrible. He sounded exactly like the album. Oh, and so so terrible. Fifteen-year-old <laughs> like, me. You keep saying like that. That's different. So than when terrible. you so when you were sixteen years old, yes. you didn't like Limp Bizkit because I was an embarrassing human. Yes, like when you're an embarrassing human, you do embarrassing things. And I was an embarrassing human when I was sixteen years old. Fifteen-year-old me was losing his they're, freaking they're mind not last night. Good. <laughs> like, there's nothing about them that's good. Glenn, you would have had fun. You would have had fun at this concert Jesus last Christ. night. You would have had fun. The dude uh, knows how to work a crowd. He brought fans up on stage and let them sing with him, and they crushed it. A number it. one. A number one fan. Paul. Paul's Paul's going to the next stop on the tour. Paul looked it, it up. He said, "Where? how do I get tickets? I'm, I'm wandering around. That's why he's actually quitting the show. It's so he can spend the rest on, of the I'm summer. I'm going on tour with Limp Bizkit. Spend the rest of the summer out on the, the Limp tour Bizkit tour. the tour is over at the end of May, actually. Ah, that's so sad. Ah, oh, I'm sad It was wildly entertaining for so many reasons. Oh, God. Wildly. En- I couldn't believe how many people showed up. Well, I, look, um, th- this has been this has been an. I actually got you know because I know the people that are involved. This has been one of the most embarrassing ticket sales tours that that's been done. Like they just wildly overshot like what mm-hmm. venues they could have this band play in. Um, so you see all these pictures. Like they they played Madison Square Garden on Friday night, and there were so few people there. They had to shut down all of the top levels and ask everyone to move down to the lower level. So that it would look like it wasn't the least attended show in the history of Madison Square Garden. Um, now, was it? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I assure you, I don't care enough to go back and do that reason. I don't know mm-hmm. what the least attended show is, but it was, it was dreadful. Now, why they ever were able to play Madison Square Garden? My God, you know what they I mean? Like money. Like imagine Sugar Ray announcing tomorrow that they're going to play Madison Square Garden. Like, what did you think you were going to get? Right. Like, you weren't going to ever sell enough tickets to justify playing Madison Square Garden. Um, the fact that they didn't cancel it, I, I don't, I don't know what that means. I was trying to get some information. Like, is it just that you don't want to admit failure, so you don't cancel the show, or you don't try to find a more appropriate venue for which them to play? They also couldn't sell out the UMBC Arena. No, now, they could not. Now. I get it. New York's a bigger market than Baltimore, so they sold a few more tickets maybe in New York than they sold in Baltimore. But if you can't sell out a 5,000-seat venue, you're playing the wrong... Like I, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what it is that you're trying to prove. Like It seems like they convinced themselves they could somehow make Limp Bizkit a thing again in 2022. You cannot do that. Yes, there are enough people, and apparently Paul is one of them, that will go... And and just say the hell with it. I got nothing else to do tonight, and I'll I'll pretend whatever. But not enough to fill these venues. Not enough to justify this, um, because they're at the end of the day, these nostalgia acts. Some of them are good. This is not one of them. There are plenty of acts that have not sniffed a hit in decades that can still go out and play big real venues because they mattered because they were good. Like Aerosmith. Um, Aerosmith has actually sniffed hits. Like not in know. the last twenty years. Uh, okay, might be flirting around twenty years. You might be right about that. It might be flirting around the number twenty. I don't know exactly what the number is. I think for their Aerosmith. last hit had to have been because 
uh, Pink wasn't any good. I well, it wasn't I, any good, but it was a hit. It definitely weird. wasn't any good. Aerosmith hasn't made a good song in a very long time, but they definitely had hits. Um, I, I, look, man, whatever. I, we're going to spend way too much time on this one. There's actually things to talk about today. Um, all, I, I just, I knew, I knew there was a chance that deep down inside, you were feigning the entire time. You were pretending like you were going to be miserable. No, I, I was and dreading. And then you were dreading. going to end up going there and being like, ha ha, I got one over on you. Limp Bizkit rocks. I knew that was that was a possibility. And they, they, I'm disappointed because I wanted you to be miserable, but obviously we picked the wrong choice for that because you love Limp Bizkit. Um, Look, they knew how to work a crowd. And, what, what, what does and, that mean? But, but well, they... I mean, the crowd was vibrant. It, it was everybody was having a good time, man. If everybody's having a good time, I'm not going to be sulking in the corner, miserable. The people was, were having a good time at the Smash Mouth concert. It made me feel I like see, America was going to fall apart. It made me realize how much danger there is in our country because people were having good times at a Smash Mouth concert. The amazing thing is, there were just as many. He, he asked people, "Raise your hand if you're under 30. Raise your hand if you're over 30." And there were more people under thirty. I mean, maybe I at, at, at I, this concert. Now, look, the, they know who they are. He knows who he is. He made fun of himself all night. What's he going to do? Right. Like, what in the world is he going to do? They put on He's the guy from Limp Bizkit. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's he going to do? Talk about how important he is. Hey, hey look. I'm not downloading the new album. Classically. I will never pay money for another Limp Bizkit show. Classically play his wonderful songs. But God. it was it oh, was not. Paul. I had fun. Paul had I the had time of his life. Fun. Not the time, of, the my time life. of his life. I had fun. Had the Limp Josh Bizkit had the time concert. of his life. Yeah, he was a, he his, was giddy. His buddy had a good time. <sighs> yeah, so that's a disappointment. That's a huge disappointment. Were you completely inundated with all my videos and posts? Because well, I, I was, I was trying to do shtick with you. I was trying to have was, some fun, but you were, you weren't really doing shtick. You were just having the best. No, time. I was, I you was were in, having a great, great time. I was intentionally at the Limp Bizkit concert. I was intentionally overloading you because you made me go to this. I was, having, I was trying to do it, turn it into content. I was trying to make a content night about it. And by the way, any of it was better than talking about the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, that's karma, baby. Jesus Christ, I wanted to die. All right, um, coming up today, in just a few minutes, Keegan Aiken's going to join us, Orioles pitcher, as the, they get ready to return home starting tonight. Uh, later on this morning, our buddy Kadri Ismail will check in with us. I just saw that his son graduated from Villanova over the weekend. That's oh, awesome. Nice. Um Look, I'm, I wrote today at Press Box about the Ravens wide receiver thing. It, I, we, we need to call it what it is. We, we keep trying to hide from it. The Ravens have a crisis at wide receiver. It is a crisis. We can keep, you know, they had a nice draft, and we think they built a pretty good roster. You can say all these things you want. This is a crisis that they have at wide receiver. And no amount of, yeah, but I like Devin DuVernay can change that. They are returning career 1,227 receiving yards total at the wide receiver position. That is a crisis. No matter how much you try to downplay the, the necessity of wide receiver in a Ravens offense, no matter how much you try to tell me about the players you like and you think were better than guys they could have drafted this year, whatever it is, whatever you're trying to do, whatever your shtick, your game is that you're trying to pull off, you can't change reality. 
They neither have enough bodies nor do they have enough proven commodities to consider themselves a viable Super Bowl contender at the wide receiver position. No. Period. With a T. We'll talk about it. I'm not trying to overreact to Jarvis Landry because I don't know if it was ever going to be Jarvis Landry. But I definitely believed he was the best of the options that were out there. Now he's gone. We'll talk more about wide receivers with Kadri Ishmael coming up in a little bit. And it's Monday, so we'll chat with Jeremy Kahn as well. Um, we'll save... that. Look... I, We'll save uh, the one-minute man or the two-minute man for a little bit. There's not a whole lot to say. The Orioles got their butts kicked in Detroit this weekend, but we'll do it anyway here in a bit. Um, As far as today was supposed to be Rutchmas and today was supposed to be the great day of celebration and all of those things, and I know that there is is some, you know, there's there's a feeling of a bummer because of that. And I feel like it's, it's bummer mixed with if we just knew today that it was going to be a different day, Maybe we'd be okay with that. It's that every day that goes by without an announcement of when Adley Rutschman is going to make his debut, we find ourselves saying, what really is going on? And that's the part of this that, again, not their fault necessarily, but they're not doing anything to curtail. And and it when you... Um, when you find yourself going through and trying to figure out why it is that it's not today and why it is there hasn't been an announcement about when it's going to be and why there has been such radio silence from within the organization itself. I had a caller to the radio show yesterday say, I don't blame the Orioles for not saying anything because they don't want to set the precedent that they'll respond to any rumor. Fine, right? Like That's, that's fair to some extent. This isn't any rumor. Yes, this is Adley Rutschman. This is the centerpiece of your entire rebuild. This is the most important thing that's happened to this organization post-Buck Showalter. If, if we can't establish that you might need to break precedent for this, I, I don't know what we're doing. By the way, this is what my, the bulk of my two minutes was going to be on today. Because nothing no, then, then that's not the what weekend. the two minutes supposed to be. It's supposed to be about the games. It's supposed to be about. Glenn, Glenn so, nothing happened I, in the games. Th- they sucked uh, all but weekend. Then you have to spend two minutes explaining that. <laughs> like that's the way it works. The games happened. They still played them. They played three games in Detroit this week, and they just didn't go well. Um, this is the type of thing that you have to say something about. And again. I already covered the part where the something could be about, hey, we want you to come to the game on Monday night. There's just not going to be an Adley Rutschman. Well, we're past that. Like, they missed that opportunity. That's going. I mean, maybe I say that. Maybe they did it during a broadcast this weekend, and just because I wasn't watching the games, I have no idea. They but I would, I would think that somebody would have shared that with me. That's come and gone. We've gotten to Monday. There's been nothing. This is a secondary part of that. The secondary part becomes, should we be concerned should we be alarmed? Because it doesn't on paper make sense. It makes no sense that Adley Rutschman would need more time at AAA. That makes me think there's a bigger problem at hand. And I have no reason to think that. But that's what happens 
when you decide we're going to do one week here, one week here, one week, well, more like, you know, however long it's going to be somewhere else. Why does Adley Rutschman need more time at AAA? He doesn't. He doesn't. You say that. They apparently think he does. He, well, And here's the thing, and this is what I was going to say, but you won't let me uh, in my segment. So I'll say it now. The Orioles don't announce their minor league roster moves until Monday. And so this is it, – it's like it's what you brought up at the end of last week where, to me, it's a very apparent that if they didn't say anything by now, they were trying to sell as many tickets for tonight's game just to come out and announce today, Adley Rushman will be called on Friday and sell more tickets then, which is really, yeah, I'm really not, I'm not, I'm not ready. I think I'm that's, not. I'm not going there. We're I not, think that's that, more logical than it, he's still hurt. That's conspiracy theory stuff, man. Like, I, is it impossible? Of course, it's not impossible. But to assume it, I can't join you there. I don't like the the. I'll, what I'll say is, if anyone in that building thought that was acceptable, that's not okay. At this but, point, to me, that's the optics. Maybe if you want to say, "Hey, it's going to come off that way to certain yeah, people," sure, fine. Yeah. I have no problem you saying whether it's true or not. It can come off that way, and that's not a good thing. I hear you. I hear you. Um, but but I, what I'll say is something, something, anything at all, just something. Because it's going to get wild out here. And you're right. Maybe there's an announcement coming today. Maybe there's an announcement coming tomorrow. Maybe there's an announcement coming whenever it is. But say something. That's it. Hey, today's show is also brought to you by the Baltimore Police. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police. Make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Well, it's been an outstanding season for our first guest today. He's pitched to a 1.71 ERA in 21 innings and a 0.81 whip, as the bullpen as a whole has been outstanding this season. He is back with us here on GCR. He is Orioles pitcher Keegan Aiken. Keegan, it's Glenn and Paul. It's good to chat with you, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate you guys having me. Absolutely, dude. It's good to chat with you again. Uh, I imagine you got to be. I know it was a difficult weekend for all of you guys in Detroit, but based on on you and what you've been doing this season, I got to imagine you're probably feeling pretty good about where things are. Yeah, it was a tough little series there in Detroit. Um, <clears throat> offense kind of slowed down a little bit, but you know, we no excuse there. We should have went in there and take one or two from them. So. But yeah, tough series. So it's everything's going good so far. Um, good group of guys, you know. We're we're having fun with it and uh, winning some series and and going from there. Keegan, you have settled into this bullpen role quite nicely so far to start the season. Can you kind of take me through? Like I know there's got to be frustration when you're you're a starting pitcher and. You know, the, people assume that moving to the bullpen is, I don't know, some people call it a demotion, if you will. How are you able to zero in and say, I'm going to make the most out of this opportunity and deliver the way that you have this season? Um, it was one of those things, as a starter, um, I, I always was kind of curious what the bullpen life was like, yeah. um, just because I had never really got to witness it um, much in my career. If I did, you know, it was, it was a couple outings here or there, jumping around. Um, from starting and then going back and, and things like that. But, um, yeah, I, I've, I'm happy where I'm at with it. Um, it's fun. You know, it's a good group of guys down there. Uh, it, we, we keep it we keep it loose and, and competitive at the same time. And, you know, when your name's called, we all 
we all know it's time to get a little serious and and start locking it in for the game. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been a different adjustment, I guess. You know, it's kind of the the world of the unknown. You don't exactly know when you're going to pitch, so that's kind of <clears throat> keeps you on the edge of your seat a little bit. And I don't know, I kind of I kind of like that feeling. I okay. guess the the thrill of it. I okay. guess you could say. Okay. Um, when that phone rings, it just. I don't know the adrenaline rush you kind of get when your name gets called when that phone rings. It's, cl- it's, it's clearly quite different. Like you, you have no idea going into each day. Like, am am I going to be no. needed today or not? Right? Like, nope. Um, did, did yeah, you, did, did you did you have to humble yourself at all? Like, to, in order to be able to succeed in that role, did you have to say to yourself, like, you know, hey, I I can do. Th-? Like, did you have to have a moment where you know I don't know there was a, a different mental approach for you as you took on that role. Yeah, there's a definitely a different mental, <clears throat> different mental approach. Um, you know, trying to as a starter, it's more so. I don't want to say pacing yourself, but it almost is like pacing yourself um, and knowing that you're gonna have to probably face the lineup three times uh, mm-hmm. through. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a little different there. It's a little more strategic, I guess you could say. Um, probably because the first two times you face them is gonna be a little different than the third time, just because it's at that point. I think it's a little bit more in their favor by the third and fourth at bats. Um, but coming in and, you know, trying to face the lineup once, um, it's, I don't want to say it's easier. It's just, I guess, a little bit different mental approach. Uh, you can just go right after these guys, um, and try to put on their heels, uh, because you're only going to, you know, more than likely face them one time unless things get, get a little out of hand, <laughs> but it's just, I don't know, a little bit different approach. And, um, I think as a whole, as a whole in the bullpen, you know, it's, it's just been attack mode this year. You're seeing a lot of guys come out and go right after guys instead of trying to get pretty with it and, right. you know, hit, make perfect pitches and things like that. So that was, that was really the big focus for us as a whole, as a whole pitching staff in general, is just attack guys. Um, just try to eliminate walks, try to put them on their heels and, and be the aggressor in the situation. Keegan um, Aiken. Yeah, go ahead, bud. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a little easier. No, you're good. It's a little easier to hit, uh, a little harder to hit, sorry, when you're o two one two in the count, um, rather than two one two o three one those counts things like that. Keegan Aiken is with us here on GCR. The Orioles are back home starting tonight for a four game set against the Yankees, and they have the Rays this weekend. And that 1992 pricing is back available. You can find out more by going to Orioles.com. Um, Keegan, do, do you, were, were you the superstitious type as a starter? Like, were there things that you did every game day in order to ramp up, in order to get ready? And if so, you know, like, how does that change when you have no idea when it is that you might be pitching? Um, I'm not that superstitious. There's like little things that, but it's not like I have to, I have to stick to those. Um, I know when I started, I always, uh, my thing was I always had to wear like the the same the same pants. It was like the same outfit every time, okay. <laughs> every time type of thing. Um, but uh, no, that's kind of changed a little bit um, as the as the bullpen rolls picked up, and you know I just kind of go with it, whatever, go with the flow type of thing is is really the best mindset in the bullpen because that's like I said, there's obviously there's gonna be days you know you're not pitching. Um, like for say, if I go until three innings, I'm definitely not pitching the next day. But uh, other than that, it's it's uh, very go with the flow. Just kind of gotta be ready at all times. All right. So I've I've heard a lot of bullpen games over the years. You talk about like trying to stay loose and stay ready. Do you guys have any bullpen games that you've been playing this season? So yeah, we we actually do. We start off the game after starting pitcher leaves. Um, obviously, we go through, give everybody the knucks, whatever. Good good luck, good luck. 
and then we all take a baseball and we stand on the mound and it's like bocce ball almost. So okay. there's a ball that there's a ball that has all of our names on it, has a score, our bullpen catcher, um, Ben had decked it out and colored it and made it made it all pretty and stuff. And, but the goal is to try to land it on home plate. Okay. The okay. And the winner <clears throat> the winner of the previous day gets to go first. And then we keep tally marks on the ball um, of who's uh, won the most. Um, and then at the end of the year, it's just bragging rights. Okay, so the, oh, but there's not going to be like a dinner. To do every day. There's got to be something at the end, right? Like there's somebody, you got to win yeah, we something. Might end up, we might end up doing a dinner. I don't know. That hasn't been discussed yet. We've still okay. got ways to get there. But it's, uh, yeah, every day, doesn't matter where we're at, whether it's the road or at home, um, makes it a lot more challenging going and seeing all these different bullpens. Some are quicker than others. Some have an actual graph <laughs> in between the home plate. It's like a little game of golf, you know. You gotta yeah. you gotta play the you gotta play the surface. Right. It really does feel like you're playing Pinehurst, bro. Exactly. <laughs> uh who's the leader in the clubhouse at the moment? Um, I would say, you know, it's it's a solid group of the veteran guys. There's not really one Oh no no I meant like for the game. Person. I meant like who oh. <laughs> uh, I think Dylan Tate went on a roll. Okay. Actually, to be honest with you. Uh Tate I think won four or five in a row. Wow. Um like a week or two ago. Uh but I, I think he's he's got the lead right now. He's like at six or seven and the next closest is like three. So we got some work to do. All right, all right, yeah. You can, there's plenty of time, obviously. Uh, the majority of the season is still to be played at this point. Keegan Aiken with us here on GCR. Uh, Keegan, do you find yourself saying, "Hey, look, I'm good with this role for now, but you know, my intent is still to be a starter at the major league level," or do you start thinking like, "Hey, man, if this is going to keep me in major league baseball for the next 15 years, I'm going to try to be." As, as good at this as I possibly can and not worry about whether or not I'm ever a starting pitcher? Yeah, I would definitely <clears throat> say the second one. Um, you know, I don't – there's – at this moment, <laughs> there's there's no plan on going back to the starting room. You know, I'm, I'm having success with it. I'm liking it. Yeah. Um, and at this point, you know, whatever I can do to, to help this team and, and stay here and, and be competitive in that role – I'll do it, whether it's one innings, three innings, or seven innings. I'm not really – I don't really care. Right, right, 100%. And by the way, you know, obviously there could be a day where somebody taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, bro, we need you to go. Like, we're going to – Yeah, need, exactly. This yep. the, we, we know that you weren't the uh, – when the, the bullpen game last week in St. Louis, we know you weren't the first one, but we also knew that you were definitely going to pitch that day. Um, so it's just sort of the way that it goes. Keegan, you've been a little bit ahead of him throughout your time in the system. Do, do you have much of a relationship with Adley at all and, like – how, how excited I know we you know we don't know what day it's going to be but we know it's going to be pretty soon how excited are you about the opportunity to work with him again here I think a lot of guys are excited you know to see see that next wave in general yeah um, come up to the big leagues you know it's there's been a good bit of hype around those guys um, they're all very good players uh, and you know I think that at some point you're going to see a lot of those guys contribute to the big league team this year it's just like you said just a matter of when um when they when they get called upon, or you know when the need is there um, for the pitchers in that aspect, so it's uh, it's very exciting. Um, at the same time, you know you're you're, you're uh, you know I'm excited for all those guys, Adley, Grayson, DL. Um, you know you could keep going down the list, but it's just I don't know. I remember being in that spot and and basically itching to get to the big leagues. Sure. Um, and it's just you know it's exciting and. <clears throat> obviously we've all came up together for the most part. I think everybody's homegrown 
as they would say. Um, so it's definitely, you know, cool to kind of see that aspect of it. A lot of times you get, after usually about double A, you get a lot of guys that were uh, with other organizations previously and things like that. So to kind of have all those guys as a core group and come up together, is uh, it's exciting. The, the the stretch that you guys were on, obviously, again, we know the weekend was tough, but the stretch that you guys were on before that, did you guys start talking at all about, like, hey, man, you know, whatever people think of us, we know we are capable of being far better than that. And, you know, do you feel like maybe there is still a team that can 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 prove a lot of people wrong as this season goes on? Yeah, I definitely think that's a possibility. Um, you know, we, I, I even think to this point we've kind of underachieved a little bit, and I think everybody feels that way. Um, we've let a few games slip away from us that I think we could have easily won. Um, with just, you know, maybe a little bit better pitching, maybe a little better fielding, just things like that. Um, I mean, we've been in most of the games. I mean, we haven't really been out of any of them, I guess you could say. Maybe maybe one or two, but other than that, it's been, you know, I feel like it's been some, some pretty close ball games. Um, and, yeah, I know I think that's kind of everybody feels that way is just go out there and try to prove people wrong. You know, the, the expectation from everybody else, everybody else is is at the bottom of the totem pole at this point. So it's, uh, you know, it's a good position to go out there and try to prove some, uh, some people wrong. And the important one, the, the the hitters, they got the home run chain. Like, you guys thinking about maybe getting, like, a championship belt or so? Like, like the, I feel like there's got to be a, a, something for the pitchers, right? Like, somebody who delivers, who gets a big strikeout with the bases loaded or something like that in order to have a little swag. There's got to be, like, a pitching answer to the home run chain that's got to come, right? <laughs> I don't know. I that was kind of their thing. Um, honestly, I think most of the pitchers didn't even know about it until after a couple of days. Oh, that's pretty funny. Um, we saw it li- we saw it laying around. And we we're like, "What in the heck's this thing?" <laughs> and uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe that will be discussed from the pitcher's side. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely that was kind of exciting how that came about. And, yeah, I you know, know it kind of took off a little bit. It's been cool. There's no doubt about that. All right, Keegan Aiken, uh, remind me. I know you're not on Twitter, correct? But you are on Instagram. No. Uh, yes, I, I haven't really used it lately. It's just during season busy. Oh, I mean, I but get yes, it. I get I you, got, you got some sort of baseball thing going on. I cannot understand yeah. that. Uh, I believe yeah. it's just Keegan Aiken if you do want to follow him on Instagram. Uh, yep, I think so. Keegan, appreciate taking the time, man. It's been awesome to see uh, your success in this role, man. It's uh, may, may it continue forever. May you never see an ERA that starts with two again in your life. May that <laughs> be the case. Thank you for taking the time for us this morning, dude. And look forward to seeing you guys back out at the yard tonight, all right? Yeah, no problem. I appreciate you guys having me. Keegan Aiken, Orioles reliever, checking in with us here on GCR again. Uh, 1992 pricing is in effect um, for this weekend. In fact, 1992 pricing is available for the Rays games. You can go right now to Orioles.com, and you can take advantage of that $4 pricing in order to get in for the games this weekend. Um, and kind of appreciate Keegan Aiken's honesty, by the way, where he's like, look, man, you know, I'm I'm good. I'm good in the role I'm in. This is the type of thing that can keep somebody in Major League Baseball for a very long time if you can be effective as an arm out of the bullpen. And a lot of guys, you know, would treat being in the bullpen as lesser than what they're capable of doing and be like, man, I'm here, but I know where I want to be. Keegan Aiken's like, kidding me? Just keep doing this well. It's going to be all right for me. Yeah, if you keep pitching to a 1.71 ERA out of the bullpen, 
you're going to stay employed and make plenty of money playing baseball for a very long time. Uh, I was interested to know whether or not his success this year was simply because he's been attacking the zone much more and pounding the strike zone, yeah. or if it was because of something that he worked on in the offseason. And it's clear to me, based on what he yeah, said, he said that, that it's, it's go, just attacking be aggressive, because yep. you don't have to face the line three times. You have to face yeah. them once, so keep them on their heels. And I right. thought that was you don't have to. F- you're not trying to fool people. You're just trying to go, go right. succeed. Attack. Go, exactly right. All right, um, when we come back in, we're going to task Paul with trying to figure out what is worth discussing from the weekend of baseball games. We'll see how that goes. Um, plus, i got a few other things that I want to cover. The, uh, the lacrosse tournament from the weekend. and I, I don't really want to talk about the Suns, if I'm being completely honest, but we'll set up the fact that the conference finals are now set in the NBA. There was a thrilling day of hockey playoffs yesterday, unfortunately. Not the case for the basketball games, just the way that it goes. All of that coming up. Today's show also brought to you by the Stan the Fan Variety Hour, which is back tonight. Stan the Fan and Ross Grimsley doing a special Bowie Bay Sox show as they will catch up with Phil Rye and Adam Pohl, assistant general manager, play-by-play man extraordinaire, respectively. See what's going on down at the AA level. That's coming up tonight, facebook.com slash Sports. It is Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. 
The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Stay tuned. Your chance to win a million dollars is coming up. Probably not from us. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue on a Monday edition of the program. Today's show also brought to you by Simply the Bets, which returns tomorrow morning at 11.40 a.m. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. We'll get you ready for the week of betting. Busy week of uh, sports betting programming as we'll have Simply the Bets tomorrow. And then on Thursday, we'll have Weekend at Bookies also at 11.40 a.m. Are brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. So, um, a few things quickly. One, the uh, we had on Friday quite the day. Uh, in fact, it was so much of a day that we utterly forgot that Andrew Stecken needed to sing the hero song from the original Spider-Man. So, Stecka, if you're listening, I will assume that you will do the right thing, and you will go ahead and film a video of yourself singing the song, maybe acting it out a little bit. Stecka was a solid performer on Friday, paying off his uh, debts, um, eating the tarantula and, and, and sharing it with the class as uh, Papa Cass tried a leg, and there was a lot going on. He got his back waxed. I think we all got something waxed on Friday. It was uh, Things got a little out of hand. Friday's show clearly went a bit off the rails. Appreciate you guys uh, putting up with that. We had a lot of fun. And then the big, an- the big Stecka Cup tournament, which featured a shocking upset, a shocking, stunning. You think it's stunning that the number two seed Georgetown lost in the first round of the NCAA lacrosse tournament? That's got nothing on the stunning upset that went down in the semifinals of the Stecka Cup as Paul Valley, who went undefeated in his run through the, the round-robin tournament to set up the seedings for the knockout stages, Paul Valley downed, beat down by John Proctor, the five seed, stunning the one seed in the semifinals it, of the Stecka Cup. It, just you call fell, me, call me you the fell behind 5-0, yeah. and, and you worked your way back into the match, but couldn't quite overcome. Yeah, that little black thing in the middle of the table, but... I digress. No, the, you're the, making excuses still, huh? Like, like we didn't all have to play with the same thing on the table. You did. Like we you didn't did. all. Like you, you were did. the only and, one. And, and I managed to work through it the first, the first uh-huh. several matches. And I just, I had nothing. It's for definitely him. not. I was, it's definitely not your fault. I was that you lost. no, no. I, I yeah. just, I didn't play well. I was, I was the 2019 <laughs> Baltimore Ravens. I was, I got a buy in yeah. the first round, lost to the five I mean, seed in the second round, and the rest was crap history. Crap the bed. Crap the bed in the, yeah. the playoffs. So, uh, Lil Jordan, the inaugural winner. Of the Stecka Cup, got a nice as, cup of hair. Yeah, well, he left it here too. <laughs> we're gonna. Yeah, I would have. I guess we're gonna pass it along to whoever the next winner of the next Stecka Cup is going to be. But uh, had a great day on Friday, including at one point I fell off a chair and thought I had killed myself. Yeah. <laughs> like decided I wanted to film the final of the Stecka Cup, so I wanted to get up where I could see more of the room. 
I was on a rolling chair. That rolling chair rolled away from your boy. <laughs> and your boy, I'm still, I'm not kidding. I've woken up every morning since then, and my neck and my shoulders have been disastrous. Just disastrous. My neck, my back, my, my yeah, and my crack, all of it has just been really you an issue. You swore you were me. okay. Yeah, I know. Well, I was. I, like, I was, I was terrified I had to go to the hospital at first. It's mm-hmm. so, like when I knew I could get back up, I was like, everything's good here. It's that when you're my age, well, you're basically my age. Uh, it's the next morning where you yeah. realize just how bad things really are. Mm-hmm. And when I woke up the next day, because I always I'd get down on the floor to try to do some crunches after I wake up, and when I couldn't lift my head up, I knew there was a problem. More than the usual neck issues for you. This, is, this was a different type. It's, it's, I say it's my neck, but it's really not. It's really like right in here. It's more like where my shoulders meet my back. It's like right in there, and it is pure hell, pure hell. But uh, but we had fun, and that's all that matters. We had a fun day on Friday, as uh, we crowned the first ever Stecka Cup champion in Lil Jordan. And uh, Stecka, you need to go perform, put it on TikTok, put it on wherever you're gonna put. It. I don't care what you do, but you need to go sing "Hero" and uh, finish paying off your debt in some form or fashion. Just because we forgot, and again, I'll accept some blame for that things got a little out of hand on friday but you still got to be a man and you still got to do what's right and you still got to pay your punishment all right so uh, uh, figure that figure a clever way to do it make a nice little video and we'll share it out um next on my list i mentioned georgetown uh, losing to delaware that was a stunner in the ncaa lacrosse tournament over the weekend no stunner in the Maryland game as the Maryland uh, beat down Vermont as expected. That does set up the big showdown this coming Sunday. Maryland, Virginia in the NCAA lacrosse quarterfinals. And there are, while the Ivy League was very good all weekend long, I think there are plenty of people that would say that the biggest threat to Maryland in this tournament was Virginia. And it's going down in round two. On Sunday on ESPNU, I believe it's the early game on Sunday. I'll double-check on that. Um, Virginia was able to go and win at Brown. And, you know, Maryland had obviously no issue whatsoever with Vermont at home. This is, uh, it's the late game, sorry. Delaware-Cornell is the early game on Sunday. And then Maryland-Virginia is the late game at 2.30 on ESPNU. Um, Look, Maryland, the way they played all season long. There is nothing that suggests that they are in particular danger basically against anyone. Except that we can't have nice things here. It, you know, it, what you're saying is exactly what many Maryland fans are feeling. Like, reason be damned. Like, who cares that Maryland pasted everyone all season long? Like the 2019 Ravens. It does not matter because... This is a whole different animal. Like your boy in the Stecka Cup. That's right. Like you letting, like just suffering a huge letdown in the Stecka Cup. Um, you know, on paper, Maryland shouldn't have a problem with Virginia. But yeah, this is a one-game scenario. And it's a one-game scenario with your season on the line. And who knows? And if there's anything we know about Virginia, it's that the, there's no question about the talent, Right. I have watched plenty of Matt Moore over the years to know the talent is all still there, and they've gotten healthier as the year has gone on, and they are the two-time defending national champions for a reason, and they are the team that knocked out Maryland in each of those last two years for a reason. This is quite the showdown, 
Sunday at 2.30. I kind of hate the fact that I will be on the air as this game is getting underway because I will be distracted if it's competitive. Just turn your show into play-by-play. Yeah, you're not supposed to do that, Paul. <laughs> not supposed to do that. Um, look, man, you know, I, 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 we'll talk more about it with Patrick Stevens tomorrow. He'll tell us more about exactly what to expect and, you know, exactly in what way Maryland might be vulnerable. I just don't know in what way they might be vulnerable. I just don't. I'm befuddled by how this is a vulnerable team whatsoever. They are dominant at the face-off dot. They have one of the greatest offenses I've ever seen in the history of lacrosse. You know, all that stuff on paper doesn't win you a game. We'll see how that goes. Um, there was another horse that dropped out of Preakness this morning, which is a, not one that anybody would care about. And unfortunately, once Rich Drake dropped out, I feel like people just kind of don't care about who's running. They'll go, they'll go have the day, and if you're going, you'll, you'll have fun. But I just feel like the race part of it, unfortunately, nobody really cares about uh, any longer. And then word this morning that Jarvis Landry only got $3 million from the Saints. Hey, uh, let me pull this number to up. To play with Jameis Winston. I mean, they're going to throw the ball a ton, yeah. and I think that's the I think that's the story. Ian Rappaport, the Saints gave wide receiver Jarvis Landry a one-year deal with a base value of $3 million. He can earn another $3 million in incentives, mostly based on individual stats. A good value option for New Orleans while Landry gets his one-year deal that allows him to get paid again if he produces. And that's, that's kind of the issue. Um... For, for why it was that it was going to be difficult to get him to Baltimore. And by the way, that's kind of the issue for any of these guys that are left. These are all guys that are going to look to prove something. And for the most part, they're going to look at Baltimore and say, I'm not sure that's the place where I can prove something. And I get it. You're all going to sit back and say, well, I don't want Julio Jones anywhere. I don't want Will Fuller anywhere. I don't want, you know, insert name here anyway. And I hear you, but it's got to be someone. This thing we keep doing where we, we talk about why none of these guys are the right answer. The right answer isn't to be had, but an Anna answer has to be had. Somebody to go into a season with four wide receivers on your roster, presuming they all stay healthy enough to get to the season, is insanity. It's negligence. There has to be some kind of answer. I don't know. I, 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 you, you can read it in my column. Day. I don't know what the answer is. This is incredibly tricky because we can't pretend like this is okay. We can't pretend like this is good enough. We can keep trying to make ourselves feel better, and we do. We should give credit to the Ravens for drafting well, and we should. They, they do a lot of things well, but this is a massive effing problem. No matter how you slice it, there's going to be a game where you're going to need the idea of, hey, we just want to run the ball again. It's going to be the Greg Roman offense. It's going to look like 2019. What happened when you got to the playoffs in 2019? You're going to need wide receivers. And yes, you can believe that James Prochet and Devin Duvernay and Tylon Wallace can become players all you want. And you can feel as strongly as I do about Rashad Bateman and his talent. But Rashad Bateman, who's proven very little so far in his NFL career, is now in line to face the top coverage in every game to get the most attention. And while I think Rashad Bateman is incredibly talented, the idea that with 
very little in terms of a threat on the other side, you're going to be able to force your way into making Rashad Bateman a number one caliber receiver in the NFL is a stretch. It's not impossible, of course. We've all, we all remember Kevin Garnett taught us anything is possible. But it's a stretch, and it's not, it's not an appropriate plan for how to go about trying to win a Super Bowl. I don't have the answers. I don't. No one does. But it's a problem. And in the same way that Jarvis Landry said, despite the fact that there's a Chris Olave and there's a Michael Thomas in New Orleans, to whatever extent there's going to be a Michael Thomas, I don't know, I'd still rather play there for next to nothing because we think they're going to throw the ball a billion times. Julio Jones, even the guys you don't want, might feel the same way. Julio Jones might very well just end up in Green Bay and say, we think they're going to throw the ball a billion times. And so if I am healthy enough to try to reestablish myself, I'd rather be somewhere they're going to throw the ball a billion times. Boy, would there be nothing more fitting than Julio Jones ending up in Green Bay and being Julio Jones all of a sudden mm-hmm. again. God, these just seem like the type of thing that happens. Well, I mean, the, the Ravens are... I have to believe they're going to do something. They there's have to. There's they have no. no they way. have to do something. But doing something. But that something can't be T. Y. Hilton. You say that. Who else is it going to be? Make a trade, man. Do something. I, I'm I'm with you. But those players that you're talking about trading for, it's doing a trade for Jalen Rager. You're in basically no. the same situation that you're no. in right now. So if you want to trade for a DK Metcalf or a Debo Samuel, you're going to have to pay him 25 million bucks in order to play and hope. Because those players still have leverage. They still have the ability to say, I don't want to be traded to Baltimore. I want to be traded somewhere where they're going to throw the ball. It's a problem, man. It's a problem. And it's going to be a problem. Almost certainly. This is the reality of the circumstances that you're in. And as much credit as you want to say, hey, they did well to get as much as they did for Hollywood Brown. I guess. But they didn't get a wide receiver. And that's a problem. Now, look, I get that the Ravens run the ball a lot. They're and going with, to and, run the and ball. And with their offensive yeah. line getting healthier and the running backs coming back in with Lamar, they're still going to run the ball a lot. But this is still an offense that had two different players receive over 130 targets last year. So I think it's a little bit of a well, fallacy. And, and Mark Andrews is still going to be there, right? right. Like, And we all know that Mark Andrews – Now, I, it, it's going to be extraordinarily difficult for him to replicate the insane numbers he put up a year ago. Like that was nuts what mm-hmm. Mark Andrews did a season ago. And – Maybe you have no choice but to try to get that type of production from Mark Andrews every year because you just don't have anyone else to throw the ball to. But this makes life more difficult on Mark Andrews, too, mm-hmm. that there aren't other options on the field for you to throw the ball to. It, this is all problematic, man. This is all problematic. Yes, Paul, they're going to throw the ball. That's mm-hmm. going to happen. Now, a year ago, they were forced to throw the ball maybe a little bit more than they wanted to because they didn't have their running backs and all that sort of stuff. But there's still going to be games... Even when you run the ball, you have to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. And there are still going to be games where even if you're playing a high level of bully ball, you're going to be forced to throw the ball more. you got to do better than this. Or you got to do something. I don't know. But we can't keep kind of pussyfooting around this like, well, you know, it's, it's not that big of a deal and Hollywood Brown wasn't all that good. You can say whatever you want to say. 1,227 career receiving yards returning to the Baltimore Ravens. We'll talk about it more with Kadri Esmail here in a minute. Paul's going to attempt 
putting two minutes on the clock. The Orioles lost three in Detroit this weekend. I admittedly watched none. Zero. Zero. And which is a shame because the Orioles have been playing well. And so if there was a weekend that I would have watched some baseball, it might have been this weekend. But Thank God I, you didn't. I was, I was working. Oh, why? Because... It was terrible. Oh, okay. For you mean for my sake? Yeah, I, it was awful. I thought because I may you, never watch again. I thought because you were about to make something up, and you were glad that I. Anyway, we'll put two minutes on the clock. Here is our two-minute man, Paul Valley. All right, so it's no surprise that this was a dud of a series for the Orioles. They, they just couldn't get the bats going. They couldn't score. They went uh, two for 25 with runners in scoring position in the series. They left 33 men on base in the three games combined. And look, it's no doubt that this is because Austin Hayes and Ryan Mountcastle are injured and not playing right now. That's your number four and five hitters in your lineup that aren't there. And people talk about how the Orioles don't have depth. Well, who does have the depth that they can make up for losing their four or five hitters in their lineup? And, and, And sure, you have... The bottom four hitters in your lineup are basically automatic outs. Chris Owings, Ruth Neto, Dorr, Robinson Torinos, Anthony Bemboom, Brian McKenna. You name them, they, 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 they aren't going to get the job done for you on a regular basis, which is also why you want to see Adley Rutschman come up. But look, yes, the Orioles, after the starters, they don't have a ton of depth. Not a lot of teams do. The calls for Gunnar Henderson to be called up. Now, look, guys, there's a huge gap from AAA to the majors and an even bigger gap from AA to the majors. The guy's not ready yet. Let him let him have some more success before you're ready to call him up. But this is what happens when you have a young team and you're trying to get better and, you know, you, you don't have guys who are proven that can get it done. And if not, the top four or five guys in the lineup are having bad days, you're kind of screwed, and that's that's basically what we saw. The pitching can be as good as you want it to be. They could have gone out there and all th- given up two runs in seven innings, and it wouldn't have mattered because the Orioles just couldn't push a run across the plate. So I'm not really too concerned about Tyler Wells yesterday. He went four innings and gave up four runs. His worst start since April 16th. It just it wasn't his day, but it wasn't the Orioles series, and there's. There's not much more you can say about it. It matters, I guess, in the sense that, look, now it's time to start calling up some of these guys and get them here because you need some help. Because what you have right now with the injuries to Mountcastle and Hayes and, to a certain extent, Mateo, it ain't getting it done. Also, Mateo being moved up to the two-hitter, he's not a two-hitter. Mateo is a nine-hitter. They moved him up as a two-hitter out of necessity. They need people up here so we can go back to his nine. So a few things. Um, one, Jorge Mateo is God, and and, and thank God that um, uh, uh, Lil Jordan didn't listen to you and listened to the real baseball expert on this program and, and took Mateo instead of Gutierrez. Look, uh, there's a few things here. One being, what really matters is more contextual than anything that actually happened in the baseball games. What really matters about this weekend is it's the reminder of the thing that we were talking about a week ago which is as high as we wanted to get and as good as we wanted to feel as the Orioles were, were what was it, 8 of 12? Was that the final number yeah. they won? 8 out of, of 12. 8 of 12. As good as we wanted to feel about that, the likelihood that that was the Orioles' story was always extraordinarily slim. That was the reality of it. And yes, you can say, well, yeah, but the, the real story this weekend is that they were injured. That's fine, but that's part of baseball. Mm-hmm. That's that's. The idea that you're going to go through an entire season without any of your regulars getting hurt is nuts. And part of the reason why the Orioles were not likely to be a team that could contend is because they they weren't deep. They didn't have many quality Major League Baseball players on the roster. So when they lost a couple of guys, they, they were going to be in a lot of trouble. They... That doesn't mean that this is now the totality of their story because they lost three in Detroit, that they suddenly go back to being the moribund bottom feeders. 
We have to continue to paint the entirety of the picture in order to be fair, in order to be reasonable in how we discuss this team and where they are within this rebuild. This team, and Keegan Egan brought this up, is still a team that, you know, despite a bad weekend, has shown signs. And that was always the fairest context with which to judge the totality of the season. If you decided because they won some baseball games that maybe they were a dark horse to flirt with 500, uh, find themselves a month out of the, you know with a month left in the season showing up in the conversation for the wild card race or something like that, you were either doing it to try to make yourself feel better or you were just being wildly unreasonable. It's an exercise in futility. Yes. That's not what this season is, nor was it ever likely to be. What that doesn't mean is that the season is all of a sudden a failure again because they lost three games in Detroit. This is a full story that's being told. And there will be places where we can stop and judge and try to look at the picture and say, what are we learning? And a weekend sweep against a bad team after winning some games against a good team does tell a more complete picture of a team that might be moving in the right direction but ain't close to there yet. They're not. They're not close to there. That's okay. I I mean, I get it. For some people, it'll never be okay. You're always supposed to be contending. That's the way it's going to go. But within the context of a rebuild, that's okay. This was not the season. This was the season where they needed to show signs. And they've shown signs. If you're not willing to give them that, it's just because you're a, a dick. And be honest about it. If you're not willing to say that there have been signs of something early on in the year, it's because you don't want to. There are signs. Now, that doesn't guarantee anything. That doesn't suddenly mean that the rebuild has worked. There are far bigger things coming along that we'll be able to judge that by. But are there signs? Yeah, there are signs. They're just not there. And when you're not there, you're going to have weekends like this. It's going to happen. That's part of baseball. Didn't the Dodgers get swept this weekend? They might have. I believe they got. Not only did they get swept, I think they might have gotten swept in four games or something. Maybe, maybe they won one. Maybe that's what it was. I, that was a wild series. What? Br- Bryce Harper just went bananas. Yeah, for the Phillies. They, right. they were just, both teams were just scoring runs. It, it was, it was bananas out there. I, I can't pretend like I was paying attention to every result, but I just feel like I heard that they had lost at least three. I want to say they lost. Yeah, they won yesterday, so they lost three or four. The Dodgers, the best team in baseball, at home. Lost three of four. These things happen. It's baseball. And I'm not saying the Orioles are the Dodgers. Let me make that abundantly clear. They are definitely not. I mean, the Orioles swept the Astros last year at one point. They did. That did happen. That's a thing. In Houston, right? Yeah, and Houston got zero extra base hits in the series. Baseball, man. Weird things occur. This isn't all that weird. This is two bad teams playing a series against each other and one bad team happened to win the three games against the other bad team. But we know the Orioles are bad. 
just because they won eight games on a 12-game stretch doesn't mean they suddenly aren't a bad baseball team. And the Tigers aren't supposed to be bad. Their pitching has been really good, and their hitting has been abysmal until they uh, You say the they're not supposed to be bad. I... They're not. They're supposed to be maybe a step ahead of where the Orioles are, but they're not supposed to be. They were relevant last year. You're 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 and then they moving, you're moving the, the goalposts. Well, no, but, but they were relevant enough that they went out and they added pieces this year, like Eduardo Rodriguez and Michael Pineda and um, uh, Javier Baez, and to make themselves maybe get over that hump in a in a central division where right. outside in, of the White Sox I in mean, a, in a division a where they thought that there was something open we yeah. said maybe the Tigers could be that team we're not there's probably another term that we can use I'm being very generic in the terms that I'm using here these things happen this is baseball the judgment of the Orioles was never that they were going to be a team that was going to win 8 out of every 12 games they played that was a a stretch that will probably be, probably be, no, say that maybe they'll repeat it at some point. But for the most part, the Orioles are still going to be, it's going to be a difficult season. That's the reality. You just want to see positive signs and feel like you're building towards something. That's the fairest judgment of this baseball team that you can have. They do return home again tonight uh, to face the Yankees, uh, to get the Yankees for four and then the Rays for three this weekend. Uh, tonight on the mound for the Birds will be uh, Kyle Bradish against Luis, Luis Severino. And so, again, if you bought tickets hoping that it was going to be the Adley Rutschman night. Your boy. I got tickets too, but I just think I'm going to pass. I just think that I won't be making it out to the game. You're going to go anyway. Um, well, Zach Goodman was supposed to go with me, but he's yeah. now sick and not going. So it's either go by myself or exchange him for another date. Okay. I haven't. De- I haven't decided. I might just go anyway, just because I want to see Kyle Bradish. Yeah, but Kyle Bradish is pitching. There's a reason to go to the ballpark tonight. Yeah. I mean, sure, go to the ballpark, enjoy yourself, have fun. I get it. It's disappointment. It doesn't look like Adley Rutschman's going to be there. And if you bought your tickets for Adley Rutschman, you're disappointed by that. All right, hour number one of today's show is in the books. It was also brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Sixty-one self-service kiosks in the FanDuel Sportsbook. Best place to be for all of the huge events this month, like the UEFA Champions League final, like the Javante Davis-Rolando Romero fight, like the final round of the PGA Championship this Sunday. All of the playoff action, you want to be in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. And you can reserve a spot, a table for you and your friends, a group of reclining chairs for any of these individual events by emailing events at sportssocialmd.com. I wrote today about the Ravens wide receiver situation. Of course, whenever we talk wide receivers, we like to bring in one of the great wide receivers in Ravens history. You see him on WJZ. He's there to help you train with missile training. He is our friend, Mr. Kadri Ismail, and he's back with us now here on GCR. What's going on, brother? How are you? I have decided to come out of retirement oh? to talk about wide receivers. Oh, to talk about it. I thought I thought this was going to be a moment. I thought this I was mean, a, you might be able to help, bro. You might I I, <laughs> I could run one 6-yard hitch route. <laughs> catch the ball, get tackled, walk to the sideline and wait for another 5 games yep. do that same play again. You'll get a good 6 yards. Hey man, That's about it. Hey man, every every yard counts, brother. We might need that. We might need that. Hey, uh congr- I saw it was a big weekend for the Ismail family. I saw that. Congratulations. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Kadir is a graduate of Villanova and I was uh 
sitting there just pontificating and reminiscing about when he and his siblings were just little peeps running around. I have this picture of uh, me after practice um, up in Westminster during uh, tour days, and Kalea is, I'm on the ground, obviously, Kalea's there, uh, Kadri's there, and Kadir, and you just sit back and you reflect, you're like, how yeah. did the time fly right. by so fast? Right. Like it just, it's crazy, but it is what it is, and he is now on to the next phase for himself. Oh, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. I don't have to worry about that. My kids are going to stay young forever. I mean, frankly, they'll, they'll probably never graduate from college, so I don't have to worry about that whatsoever. I'll never have what, those what, feelings. When do you have kids, bro? You don't even have kids. I got a seven and a four-year-old, dude. What are you Yeah, you don't about? even have kids. You yeah. never even talk about your kids. I know, never. I never share any pictures. It's, well, Kadri, in fairness, what else do I have going for me, my friend? What, mm. uh, what else? Mm. All right, let's talk seven about four. Let's talk Cute about ages. This. They are. I'm, they are. Just, I'm in dad mode. You got to give me a chance just to transition back over into NFL analysts talking about wide receiver mode. Okay, there. I'm ready. Here we go. I transition. Go. Uh, now. The Baltimore go. Ravens Quick. currently have four wide receivers on their roster with any NFL experience. They have a combined 1,227 career receiving yards. Can you win an AFC North and compete for a Super Bowl with such little inexperience at such a critical position on a roster? Well, I will tell you this. Seeing as though that position is not the go-to position in the offense, yes, you can. Okay. We are sitting here getting so caught up in the receiver position that you are forgetting the go-to guy is Mark Andrews. That's true. Who did they also uh, pick when bully ball was in full effect? You had two other guys, and so you had three stud tight ends that created so much of a mismatch that bully ball was invented and you had a historic season. Now you got two young dudes in Kohler and Likely who are now on the team. And if you look at the way they handled themselves from a, a size in Kohler and the way in which his physicality, plus you look at what Likely has done at uh, Coastal Carolina and stretching the seams and such, it's a mismatch game. That's the advantage of playing, obviously, in today's NFL. It's about creating mismatches. Bully ball is predicated on the 13 personnel. One back, three tight ends. It has nothing to do with having some stud-wide receiver having to be on the roster. This is bully ball at its finest. And we, the Baltimore Raven fan base, have to get on board with it and stop talking about receivers like, oh, my God, we don't need to be so We need this. Oh, look at that. We just don't need to worry about that. Kadri, are you convinced? And by the way, we all know. We saw it with great success in 2019 when they played the highest level of bully ball. But when they got to the postseason, they needed to throw the ball. Are you convinced that you can truly get through an entire regular season and a run to a Super Bowl without having to throw the ball more down the field and needing to have more veteran or experienced targets. So you also look back at that season, you can also see where there were chinks in the injury bug armor mm -hmm. with uh, Mark Ingram. You also saw it when it came to uh, the way Mark Andrews, I think it was against Cleveland, he had injured his uh, ankle. He wasn't quite right. So there were some things there that, that really wasn't... Uh, 100%. Plus, you add in 
the fact that you had a young Lamar Jackson compared to a veteran Lamar Jackson currently. So, you know, from a, a bigger picture of things, you know, and I know, you gain more experience, you gain more understanding, the game slows down. That was a young team. This is a retooled team. And if this retooled team with some of those young players can come on board, plus the fact that you're also talking defense has to play their thing, they can't just you know, totally be offensive-centric, which they're not. And they certainly, uh, looking at guys like uh, uh, Travis Jones and uh, Ojabu, I think Ojabu, shoot, that dude, all he needs to do is just continue to, you know, progress and, and track along and understand the uh, role of the ankle and foot complex. And as long as he's not getting any heel down training, uh, putting it into his nervous system, I think he's going to be able to recover and be the stud that he needs to be. And yeah, we got Hamilton and was it? Williams is the dude from uh, the saints. Come on now. Williams, like yeah. it's a team. It's not, you know, sitting there and um, thinking that it's, Oh, well, Hey, listen, we're just going to throw the football down the field, and and somehow we're going to miraculously win the Super Bowl because we threw the ball down the field. No, this isn't that. And I think logically speaking, we have to recognize what this team's strengths are, and at the same time, from a logical standpoint, what did Eric DaCosta do to uh, accentuate those strengths moving into this offseason and now moving forward into the regular season? He's Kadri Ismail. He's with us here on GCR. Q, I hear what you're saying, and I assure you, I'm not sitting here suggesting that I think the Ravens are going to suddenly be a team that's going to throw the ball 50 times a game. By, by no means do I believe that's what's coming. Although, you know, as we saw a year ago, injuries can change that. Hopefully, the Ravens have far better luck injury-wise this year than they did a season ago. I think it's more about, the, to me, the margins in, okay, I think you can be a very competitive football team doing what it is that you're looking to do. And as you pointed out, with, with a defense that's been fortified, I think there's a lot to like. But this is a loaded AFC that we're talking about. I mean, this is murderer's row all of a sudden within the AFC of quarterbacks and high-level offenses. And we know how the rules of the NFL shape up to make life more difficult on these defenses. And I... I am struggling with the idea that you won't find yourselves when you get into these biggest games of the year needing to do a little bit more when it comes to the passing offense. I love Lamar Jackson. I love Mark Andrews. But, you know, I mean, this is the type of thing that I do feel like could end up being the difference in a big game that turns your season. Okay, so good. Then you're going to hopefully have a offense where Kohler is going to be able to contribute, where Likely is going to be able to contribute. And then you got Rashad Bateman stepping up and being the guy that he needs to, to be. He will not have to worry about his groin. He will not have to worry about missing those early season games. He'll be in concert when it comes to the rhythm and the timing of the different throws for him and Lamar. Uh, you also recognize, yeah, there's going to be some uh, different plays and, 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 and looks that will effort them to get big plays down the football field. But it's via the tight end, not the receiver. That's just how it is. Okay. I mean, I, I hope you're right, bro. I hope you're right. And I'm like, I'm not I'm not saying it's impossible. I just feel like it's tough to be you're counting on two fourth round tight ends to be an answer for a team, which doesn't mean that they can't be, but is that is that a fair expectation to have 
that fourth-round tight ends will definitely step up and be those guys immediately as their career gets underway? I'm looking at Ronnie Stanley. Yeah. I am looking at, uh, what is the kid's last name, Lindebaum? Tyler Lindebaum, uh, yeah. I'm looking at, heck, you know, we, 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 we had, uh, you know, Ben Cleveland was, was you know, the, he's going to have another year under his belt. Um, unless he just disappeared off the face of the earth and so deep in the doghouse that nobody's talking about him. Um, you know, we're, 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 we're going to have, uh, what was it, um, is it Moses or Mosley? Mor- Morgan Moses, yes. Morgan Moses, okay. Homeboys, hey, welcome to the club now. This ain't the Jets. We ain't talking about just barely making 500. We're talking right. about playoffs, all right? So he's going to have a little bit of love. And we, we didn't even talk about the fact that hopefully we're looking at, you know, guys coming back healthy from a running game aspect of things. I'm with you. The, the bottom line is, is that, yeah, you got a mix of young and veteran guys. And then if you can look at that far down the, the road, you have a, a, a quarterback that's not in 2019 mentality. So you have an updated, uh, upgraded and even more hungrier than ever quarterback, and the team itself has recognized they need to, you know, put themselves in better positions to, to whether not make mistakes, whatever it might be, and just go out there and play. So that's, that's my glass half full, huh, okay, off-season optimism. Amen. It's not off-season, you know, uh, blind loyalty or blind not hold your foot to the fire type of a mindset. But it is off season. Like, okay, yeah, wow. Let let's see what how this thing shakes out. Let's see how you know Adafe Owe can can you know better rush the passer and and not fade down down the uh, down you know the road. Like, let's see what he got. Let's see what Calais can can you know teach a a young uh, group of of uh, D linemen. Let let let's see what he can also do when it comes down to it. And let's see what you know J K and 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 Gus have as far as their recovery, uh, and, and then when it's time to really hit their stride at the end of the season, let's see that fresh leg and that, that fresh mentality. And, 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 you know, Rashad Bateman, okay, what we did see with Tyler Huntley last year was the fact that, um, you know, in the Cleveland game, one of the reasons why I think uh, you saw a lot of disappearing of Hollywood Brown, who is obviously now – you know, permanently disappeared from the Ravens roster, but you saw um, a guy who was able to do a lot of intermediate run-after-catch routes, one-on-one, on the outside, win, kind of that Anquan Bolden-esque type of a player, and that's just not Hollywood's game. So you're going to have those moments where, oh, gee, last I checked, uh, Anquan Bolden, when he was the go-to receiver for this ball club, he had those tough difficult kick-ass take names later type catches right uh in the historic joe flacco super bowl run so the pieces are in place it's time to prepare those pieces and like i said the off season you know hope springs eternal when the regular season then we'll see how it all unfolds all right so i th- i'll leave you with this is there though one guy that is out there that you would still say it's not gonna be jarvis landry obviously but this Julio Jones, T.Y. Hilton, Will Fuller, Odell Beckham, we all know there's warts. There's lots of warts, injury warts for the most part with all those guys. But is there one that you'd say, hey, even if I like the guys, I'd still be interested in them maybe adding this, this player to the mix? 
books? No, not really. Um, Odell, that's the Super Bowl. He he got an ACL tear. Yeah. So that means, yep. you know, he's missing. Darn, he's not even going to be a year, calendar year. So you know that eliminates him. Um, you know, Will Fuller, he resume wise, yeah, he'd be a glorified decoy. Um, there's no question about it that uh, Julio Jones has Hall of Fame credentials. Um, but it's, it's how we uh, would see him being utilized on the roster. I think he would be, you know, uh, not a primary guy. So what does that mean for him? Does he feel he's still in primary guy mode? Um, or does he recognize he's a, a lesser version of himself, but still in some moments um, are able to contribute? I Even last year, Arizona played, uh, the Cardinals played, I forget what they played, but uh, literally right as uh, the game was on the line, I remember A.J. Um, Green, it was a fade to the back of the end zone. I forget who they were playing, but Kyler Murray threw it up to him, and I was like, oh, this is money, and he dropped it, yeah. and it actually wound up being intercepted. And I was just so shocked because A.J. Green was a raven killer when he was with the Cincinnati Bengals, and he always showed up. But he was a lesser version of himself. Are we getting a lesser version of Julio Jones, or are we trying to look at Julio Jones when they were in uh, the Super Bowl, uh, even though the, the, the team didn't show up? Hell, he made some amazing catches against the Patriots. So those are all factors you got to look at. And I think you know we are just you know, looking at revisionist history and, and trying to be all, you know, where guys were as opposed to what guys are and 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 how we can uh, not be so receiver-centric when we know the offense is tight end-centric. I hear you. I hear you. I hope, I hope this doesn't become an issue at any point. That's all I'm going to say. Kadrius, I remind everybody about missile training. Yeah, DM me on Twitter at I am Kadria Smile and let us get you started on a healing journey. That is the bottom line. There's ways you need to move. If you're a top level athlete looking to get faster, here it is. If you're a person that is looking to improve your mobility and fitness without all the traditional mumbo jumbo, I am your guy, and that's missile training. I love you, brother. Always appreciate you, man. Congratulations to the whole family once again. Let's talk soon, all right? Absolutely. Appreciate you, bro. It's Kadrius Mal checking in with us here on GCR. We disagree. That's okay. I, and, and again, I his, I don't disagree about the points, and I, I cover that in the column today. The points, there is truth. There is truth to wide receivers not important as important in Baltimore as it is other places. Mark Andrews is essentially a glorified wide receiver. N- maybe these fourth round tight ends can help out. It's not like Hollywood Brown was a rock star or Jarvis Landry was the individual answer that we should all be crying in our Cheerios about. None of those things are false necessarily. But it doesn't change the reality either. The reality is that inevitably this team is going to have to throw the ball at some point. Maybe they can play a dominant level of bully ball. I will point out that it definitely seemed a year ago like they were determined to not have Lamar Jackson run the ball quite as much. And part of what made bully ball so dominant in 2019 was how much Lamar Jackson was running the ball himself. 
maybe there's an agreement to get back to that. But if not, and I get the part of the problem a year ago was also they didn't have their running backs, but there still seemed, it seemed like without their running backs, there was an even greater reason to want to have Lamar Jackson run the ball more. But yet there was a determined effort for him to not run the ball as much. So if that continues, there's going to be more throwing of the football. And again, maybe James Prochet and Devin Duvernay and Tylon Wallace really are quality NFL players. But is that what you're banking on? It's a lot of pressure. You're pinning your Super Bowl hopes on that. Mm-hmm. And Rashad Bateman, while receiving all of the, the top coverages every week, all of the best cornerbacks in the NFL, being ready to handle that. That's a stretch, man. It's a stretch. It, is it impossible? No, nothing's impossible. But it's a stretch. And I I can't pretend like it isn't a crisis. I can say I think the Ravens on the whole have a good roster that's capable of being competitive. I can say on the whole that I think the Ravens have largely done a nice job this offseason. But I can't pretend like this isn't a thing. I can't pretend like there's no way this could possibly be a problem. I can't fathom why we would. I, I, I can't, of all organizations, the, the franchise that's been doomed the most by the wide receiver position in their history, I would feel like we would be the most sensitive to this and, and not the most defensive when it comes to this. And again, even the best case scenario still has to involve all of these guys staying healthy. So you need double best case scenario. You need the best best case scenario for this to work. That is shaky-ass ground, bro. And even if they made the trade of Hollywood with the hopes that they could pick up a first-round wide receiver and it just didn't go that way, you're still putting a ton of pressure on somebody who's never played in the league before. Fair, fair. But I, I would feel probably better with mm-hmm. you know, a, a Drake London or a Garrett Wilson lining up with Rashad. Ba- like, that would... Gives you something. It, and it forces teams to have to think about where they're throwing their top coverage, things along those lines. <laughs> it's a tough spot. It's a tough spot. I, I, if you knew that Hollywood Brown was going to be gone, I just feel like I would, maybe would have approached the offseason a bit differently than you did. I, I feel like it would have been more of a priority to try to find something of significance to replace Hollywood Brown. And that's tough because it might very well be that you're just getting a pushback from every receiver you attempt to sign and that your money almost come, becomes Confederate money because they're saying you'd have to pay us so much more than another team would in order to get me to go there. But the thing is, you have to be aware of that before you yes. trade Hollywood. You can't just trade Hollywood and think, well, somebody will sign here because that's somebody's going to end up being T.Y. Hilton. Correct. Or you can't do it and say, well, the answer will just be that we're going to draft a wide receiver in, in the first round. Well, then when you watch four receivers go off the board, again, I like Kyle Hamilton. Nobody thinks that Kyle Hamilton was a bad pick. But you have this problem, and I can't pretend like it's not a problem. I, you can't get me to do that. Every scenario. Mark Andrews could get hurt. You son of a bitch. Find me some more wood to knock on. Like, I, this is the reality of how thin you are. 
When you say that Mark... Remember when Dennis Pitta was the reason why you could get rid of Anquan Bolden? Remember how stupid that was? How insane that was. But p- intelligent people tried to say that. Well, it's not the big, that big of a deal that they're losing Anquan Bolden because they believe that they've got the answer in Dennis Pitta. And I'm not trying to make a Hollywood Brown-Mark Andrews comparison because Mark Andrews is a far better football player, whereas Anquan Bolden was a far better football player than Dennis Pitta was. Mark Andrews is definitely a far better football player than Hollywood Brown, and they're very different guys. But the point remains, you're pinning everything on this one thing. Two, if you want to throw Rashad Bateman in there. I do think that the offense can be okay if they have another pass-catching tight end, kind of like the New England when they have Rob Gronkowski and he, whose name we do not speak. Right. Um, because they didn't really have any wide... I mean, was Randy Moss there at that time? I don't think he was. Uh, Randy Moss was there for the 08 season. Yeah, he was... I mean, like he was there with Rob Gronkowski. Wait, wait, wait. Let me do that math again. I don't think... He, I no, think he Gronkowski, was not there with no, Rob Gronkowski. No, so they didn't really... I was trying I mean, to think of when, when he left. He was, I mean, Obviously, in the 08 season, Rob Gronkowski wasn't there. Right. I was trying to think of when Moss left. I can't... Uh, but I don't they, have my they, Patriots they had, history. They had Wes Welker, and then when Welker left, they had Edelman. But uh, they didn't have. Uh, other the, than that, they didn't have it. So you can. I think that you can have two tight ends that can catch the football for you and be okay. But again, that's putting a lot of pressure on somebody who got drafted in the fourth round and hasn't played in the league. So we're trying to say that the answer is going to be a fourth round tight end, and maybe it will. Mm-hmm. Maybe. But that's the plan? But you're doing yourself a disservice by not this, All of this is going to come down to whether or not a fourth-round tight end clicks? Right. That's what you're banking your entire season on? Yikes. Yeesh. All right. Today's show also brought to you by the Print Issue of Press Box, which is available right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Press Box. Read it all, pressboxonline.com. Adley Rutschman, great cover story from Luke Jackson, diving into his passion for baseball, his passion for catching, and why it is that whenever he arrives, he's expected to be a leader on day one. Go pick it up today. When we come back in, Jeremy Kahn will join us, as he does every Monday here on GCR. That's next, Glenn Clark Radio. Hey, O's fans, 2022 Orioles single game tickets are on sale now. Come celebrate the 30th anniversary of Oriole Park at Camden Yards with tickets starting as low as $10. Relive your favorite moments and make new memories this season. Choose from your favorite homestands when the O's take on the New York Yankees, Washington Nationals, and Boston Red Sox, or fan favorite giveaways like Birdland Hawaiian shirt and collectible bobbleheads. Experience the ballpark that forever changed baseball. Buy now at Orioles.com slash tickets. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. 
Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with our popular Korean number two sauce, and take a bite out of the crunch burger topped with home run sauce, white American cheese, and house made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. The 2022 baseball season is in full swing, and the future is brighter than ever for your Baltimore Orioles. I'm Paul Valley, And I'm Zach Goodman. And together we bring you the bat around every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon with everything you need to know about the Orioles and baseball as a whole. From veterans like Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, and Ryan Mountcastle, to young stars like Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez, and D.L. Hall. We've got you covered for every game, every pitch, and every debut. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash pressboxonline sports or you can listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio so join us live on the bat around every saturday from 10 a.m to noon right here at press box sports the toyota tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines you can choose the perfect toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new tacomas from your local toyota dealer today If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcasts. It's Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR on a Monday edition of the program. Jeremy Kahn will join us here in just a second. Today's show also brought to you by the Baltimore Police. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police. Make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good. BPDrecruit.org. Yes, I did finally try both the Old Bay Vodka and the uh, Old Bay Goldfish yesterday on the radio show. The, um, The Goldfish are just phenomenal. God, they are so good. They are wonderful. You will never need to eat a normal goldfish again in your life. These are better. This is just incredible. In the way that, like, I'm not a goldfish fan, and I wasn't a cheese curls fan, but then the Old Bay cheese curls came out, and you were like, holy crap, this is the greatest thing I've ever tasted. It's not quite that. Like, the Old Bay cheese curls are still better than the Old Bay goldfish, but the Old Bay goldfish are so much better than any goldfish I've ever had in my life. They're that good. I thought that they were hyped so much that they had no choice but to be underwhelming. No, but you're they, saying that they lived they, up to, they, to the hype. They 100% live up to the hype. They are they are outstanding. You will find yourself eating an entire bag. I mean, they're that good. The Old Bay Vodka, big nothing for me. Just a big nothing. It, like, maybe, you know, when I get a chance to make a Bloody Mary, it'll, it'll prove to be something that, like, adds in some capacity. But for the most part, nah. It's just, there's nothing there. There's, it's not, I get that you don't want to overwhelm with the Old Bay, but short of doing that, you're just not separating yourself from vodka's significant, like, there's just better vodkas, you're never going to need, I'm never going to find myself needing the Old Bay vodka, I do, I will give it the caveat that I will look forward to making a Bloody Mary at some point with the Old Bay vodka to see what it does, but for the most part, it's a meh, and nothing more than that. Joining us now, speaking of meh. Kidding. He is our buddy Jeremy Kahn, 105.7 The Fan, The Big Bad Morning Show. Of course, picks every day at PressBoxOnline.com. What's going on, bud? How are you? I'm good, man. I put Old Bay on my tarantulas. So how did last <laughs> week go since I missed everything? Uh, the tarantula, uh, uh, all he kept saying was it was dry. 
Like, that was all he really said about the tarantula. It was just dry. Um, uh, the back waxing was wonderful and quite painful and got exactly what I wanted. By the way, he was waxing his back as I was trying to do an interview with D.L. Hall. It was a very awkward situation <laughs> where it was quite <laughs> tough to pay attention and all that. But, yeah, the uh, tarantula, I didn't. I did not bother to try any. Uh, some of the other, the rest of the class tried a leg. It, the, the, all I got back was it's just dry. The, there was no real taste to it. It was just dry, and you could you could taste like some hairs, and that made it particularly awful. That was the word hmm. on the tarantula consumption. It'd be the full t- first time I pulled those out of my teeth. Yeah, but right. Anyway. Yeah, exactly right. I know that about you. All right, um, I got a few things for you. I'm not. I, you're going to be surprised to learn. I didn't much want to talk about the Phoenix Suns today. I didn't okay. have much interest talking about them. I don't really, because nobody cares here. Who cares? Um, everybody hates Chris Paul, so they're all happy to see it. God bless. Devin Booker should probably work on what he's going to do against a double team at some point in his life. There's my take. Here's my question. Did you see enough from Dallas that you genuinely believe? I know you're a fan, but do you genuinely believe that they might be capable of going and beating Golden State too? Yeah, I mean, I, I look, they're, to me, they're a live dog in the series. They're, uh, I know Golden State's minus 250. Um, in the series to to win it, and I would, if you asked me to place a wager today, I would fully tell you I think Golden State wins the series. But Luca, look, when we're talking about Luca, he's he has the potential to be a generational talent. Um, you know, the, much of the way that we talk about what LeBron James is doing, Luca's been doing some of the similar things that LeBron did when he first came up, or I should say, what LeBron was doing six or seven years into the league, Luca's doing that in his first couple. Does that mean I'm telling you that Luca's going to be better than LeBron? No, but I'm just saying like he fills up the stat sheet. He's not great defensively, but he does get steals um, because he's big and tall. He can you know frustrate other defenders, and there you can do all different types of things with him, playing him at the four and having him run the point, and you know so he's he's a matchup nightmare for teams. Um, and I don't care what you do. Like, what the Miami Heat did to Trey Young in that first series, you would never see them do that to Luka because he's always going to make better decisions uh, because of his size and ability to see over the defense. Uh, yes, yes, all true. But they needed other guys to step up. I mean, they, they, they needed, uh, maybe not yesterday because ultimately the game was going to be an ass-kicking, but they were able to do that last night in part because Dinwiddie was, was playing out of his mind in the first half, right? Mm-hmm. Like... Do you trust that the other guys can be consistent enough knowing just how many options they have on the other side of the floor? No, because, look, for the most part, the Mavericks are a really good defensive team. They've been terrible against centers all year long, and for whatever reason, in Series 1 against Rudy Gobert, this series, uh, you look at what they did against DeAndre Ayton outside of Game 1, they've switched up some things. They've done a much, much better job of defending uh, other teams' bigs and their perimeter defense. They've been one of the best teams against point guards, shooting guards, and small forwards all year long because of their ability to switch and some of the defensive-minded guys that they have on the team. So, um, yeah, I I mean, I think they can. Like I said, the likelihood, if you ask me to pick today, I I think Golden State wins the series. Right. Uh, But I do think the Mavericks are a live dog. And at the end, if it went six or seven and the Mavericks won, I personally would not be shocked. Um, but I, I don't expect that to happen. You is is Golden State. You know, if you were setting the odds today of these four teams, them winning the title, give me what your numbers would be uh, for them to win the title. Just yeah, stacking all, them up. all four teams. Give me all four teams. If you all all you do is set the odds of them winning the title, where would your odds be? So for me, I, um, well, I'd have to have. 
I think the Celtics are the best team that's left, but I still couldn't have them first because the Mavs are that much of a heavy favorite over, or I'm sorry, the Warriors are that much of a heavy favorite over the Mavericks. So I would, I, I mean, I would stack it Warriors, Celtics, Heat, Mavericks but, in that order, and I would say... But, like, where would those numbers be? Yeah, I would say the Warriors would probably be on that minus 180 to minus 200 line. Okay. Um, and then I would have the Celtics up next, and they'd probably be, like, even money or plus 120, then the Heat at plus, like, 175, and then the Mavericks at, it, I mean, it would probably be, like, plus 300 or higher. I, I haven't even looked at it. Those would be my guesses. Uh, by the way, I'm looking at the FanDuel Sportsbook right now. Uh, it's the mm. Warriors plus 130, the Celtics plus 210, the Heat plus 430, the Mavericks so okay. at plus 650. Yeah, so yeah, uh, so they're. I mean, I'm I'm kind of in line with the order they have it, but right? Like not not uh, odds wise. Yep, it's a it's an opportunity. Like I I can't shake it. Like the Mavericks are just capable of knocking down three after three after three after three. I don't know what happened to the Warriors over the last couple of games of that series. Like I have no idea if that's just you know, Steve Kerr being missing, and I, I, it, it was bizarre what was going on over those last few games. They had, they, I mean, they looked terrible in in game four. That figured out a way to win. They were one of you know until last night they had the worst performance of the playoffs in game five, and then even in game six it took until you know well into the second half for Clay Thompson to remember he was game six Clay to to look good. I don't know what I just don't know what to make of that because I do think that. When you say that, I think the Warriors are still a team that has the most to offer, that has the most options, and can do the most things. But Jesus, did that just go away there for the better part of three games? Yeah, and, and maybe they got complacent. Maybe they felt like the series was over after the news about Job right. being out. I mean, but it was just kind of odd to see him go to Memphis and get destroyed the way they did. And let's be honest, Memphis, I think, shocked a lot of people with how they even played in the elimination game. Um, I, Memphis was a team that I kept saying, I think they're a year away. And next year, as long as they they might take two or three of those guys and package them for a superstar or uh, you know two players and a draft pick because they have a lot of similar players across the board. Um, very, uh, it's the same situation with the Charlotte Hornets too, except Memphis is just better, um, where they have so many guys that you, you are interchangeable, and maybe you want to package two of those guys and get a better player or you know, get some money off your books and, and go sign somebody you think's better than them. All right, so there's a lot of people talking today because Patrick Beverly did the ESPN thing this morning. Yeah. Um, just to go just to go after and, and slander Chris Paul. So the, the popular topic online is is the, uh, I think, it, God, it was one of the, the Every Day Should Be Saturday, um, Spencer Hall, who said, uh, what athlete would you wake up at 4.45 a.m. in order to go slander on national television? So I'm I'm going to give this to you, but broaden it. What is the sports personality who's whether rational or irrational? Oh, this is unfair. I'm going to take Eric Bedard out of the equation. You oh. can't say Eric Bedard because we already heard that. Give me another one. Give me someone besides Eric Bedard that no matter what, any opportunity you have, you will just choose to hate them no matter what. I mean, I'm probably putting the. You can take all of those hot take guys that are on TV. The Skip Bayless, Stephen A. Smith, the Max Kellermans, put them all in a group together, and I would say all of them because I can't stand them. I don't like watching them. I don't like listening to them. And it took me a while because I would always retweet them and go, look at what this idiot said. And right, and realize that's, that's exactly what they, what they want, right. Yeah. So, so I've stopped doing that. I, don't even, I, don't even, I try not to bring them up unless it's something where there's just such a great talking point that we have. Um, like I thought it was hilarious last night when Stephen A. Smith trying to make his point 
and he tagged the wrong Devin Booker. Yeah, uh, I saw the that. The guy that played over yep. in Istanbul last night. <laughs> and the guy's like, I'm sorry, I'll try to. Yeah, get over it, play better. Be yeah, there. right. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, it's just, it's nonsensical. Like, we all make mistakes in our industries, but when you talk and, like, everything is a fact and it's and all it is is your opinion, it drives me nuts. Like, last year at this time, uh, after Devin Booker had a great game, we had Stephen A. Smith say, hey, it's official, Devin Booker's the next Kobe Bryant. No, he's not. <laughs> and even Devin Booker said, I'm not the next Kobe. Stop it. Stop with this. It's official and saying things as they're facts when they're not. So those are the ones that drive me nuts. Um, were you looking for an athlete? Yeah, or? I was looking for someone who was a more direct sports personality, a more. Um, who, I don't know. There's too many guys I, I don't like. Like, I don't like David Ortiz. Uh, I hate Big Poppy, but I, I think that kind of falls in line with being, you know, an Oriole fan. Uh, most people outside of here love him. Who else would stand out to me? Um, I don't know if there's anybody else that, if something comes to mind, I'll tell you. See, I'm telling I, I you, think... I would wake up at 4.45 a.m. every day to slander Mike Krzyzewski because I, okay. it's not, like, the, the idea being somebody would say, like, yeah, but he's won all the championships. I'm aware. He's just still a douchebag. Like, I'm going to take every opportunity I might get to explain why it is that he was a hypocrite and, and pious and holier than thou, and it's nonsensical. And he was not the the gift to college basketball that the people in the sport tried to make him out to be. Um, I will, and I don't care. I don't care how wrong you think I am. It's it's the hill that I will continue to die on for the rest of my life, and I'm willing to do that. And I will wake up like it's like Patrick Beverly can say whatever he wants to say about Chris Paul. Chris Paul is going to be in the Hall of Fame. Patrick Beverly will never be right. Like that's the way that it goes. But he's still going to get up, and he's still going to do the same thing. And every time Chris Paul doesn't win a championship, he's going to have that in his he's going to be ready to go and, and run it at the mouth it doesn't matter if you're right or not it's about pure unbridled hate and there's something about this that i actually genuinely respect and love see i like that i, I guess the thing with pat bev too didn't he kind of insinuate that chris paul only gets calls because he was in state farm commercials is um, that what he said <laughs> it's something to that effect i mean he he just went off he said chris chris paul is basically uh like a, if you want to call it a traffic cone or a cone that you would use when you're running drills in basketball. He said, that's him playing defense. He's just a cone. Everybody knows you can just go around him. So it's like there were some, and from a former teammate, there, there's some serious hate there. Oh. So, you know, it's, it's very personal. Oh, it's clearly quite personal. There's no debate about that. It's obviously very personal. But I'm okay with that. I'm okay with pure, unbridled, nonsensical hate. Say whatever you want to say. This is your Super Bowl today. You get to enjoy it. For what it's worth, I hated Chris Paul until he was a Phoenix Sun, for what, too. You know what I mean? Like, we all found Chris Paul just as annoying. If he wasn't playing for your favorite team, you probably hated him. You know? Like, that's the reality. But it doesn't change the fact, in the same way that I hate Mike Krzyzewski, but can't change the fact that, you know, he was the most successful coach of a generation. Yeah. Patrick Beverly can't change the fact that Chris Paul is a Hall of Fame basketball player who, you know, has had one of the greatest careers of the last 20 years despite the fact that he hates him. I'm okay with that. It's allowed. That's that's you can be a human and and have some form sort of um entertaining amounts of hate that exist within well, your body. I I love that his hate went so deep that other people started tweeting about Chris Paul and he started responding to oh. them. like there was the one oh. With Jeremy Lin saying he deserves a championship, and him here, here's Pat Beverly. He's like, why does he deserve a championship? What do you mean deserve? Right, right. You earn a championship. You win one. Right. You don't deserve it. And I'm going, God, th 
what did he do to him to make him no doubt him so bad? No doubt. Did he sleep with his girl or something? Who's yours, Paul? I can see you want to get in. Who's who's yours that you would just? So I've backed off on him now that he no longer plays. Yeah. But during his playing career, even when he was a Baltimore Raven, I could not stand T.J. Hashimazili. What? It's such a random one. I hate it. It's so random. I just hated him. I just could <laughs> not stand him. I just can't fathom having any emotions whatsoever towards everything TJ he Bush did, Kinsana. everything he didn't do, every pass, big pass he dropped in Baltimore. I hated him. Jesus, that's a weird. He stole me two tickets to a Ravens game. What? Now I hate yeah. him even more. What? We had a bet at the Haloti Nada show at the Green Turtle out in Westminster. Okay. I was telling him my mom was a huge Ravens fan and wanted to go to the game. And he goes, all right. He said, because then I told him I thought the, uh, you know, people got mad when I would say this. I'm at a Ravens event. He said, who do you like on Sunday? I said, I think the Bengals win. <laughs> and so we had this argument going back and forth. He said, all right, I'll bet you. I think it was like it was either 100 or 500 push-ups against uh, two tickets to a Ravens game. And the Ravens beat him, and I never heard from him. So mm, <laughs> how about that? How about yeah. that? We should, uh, we should, uh, you know, what? we'll give him a call. We'll give him a call. TJ, who's your mama? Yeah, I've had TJ on a few times over the well, years. He's a great guy. Yeah, I, I like him. TJ. It's a funny thing. I mean, I'm, I, I'm not saying, like, by the way, I'm not saying he stiffed me. I'm, I'm definitely. No, no, no. It does, definitely sounds like we're gonna start. We're gonna start a fight between you and TJ Hushmanzada. We're gonna start that right now in order to get us through. I don't know if I want that smoke. There's, there's not another football game for a few months. We can, we can use a few more things to talk about, Jeremy. We can use some <laughs> other things. Um, okay, uh, thoughts on first of all, you and I have we given enough time that you and I can talk about Ozark? Like, has there yeah. been enough time? What, because you haven't watched it, you don't want to, I Paul? I finished it. I can't, I mean, I can't be a part of this, because I have Well, to that's myself. fine. That, I feel, it's been a month, right? Dude, you can blame my wife, but I'm I don't not, This I, is not, this is not a, you'll have to, uh, you know, go, go in the next room or something for a couple I, of minutes. I can't have any spoilers. I'm telling you, you're going to have to walk out of the room, because I've, I've, we've given it plenty of time. We've given it plenty of time that we can discuss it now. Paul's going to have to go, I'll yell for you when we're ready for you again. Paul can't. He's a. He's a. He can't. He can't hear this. So we are going to talk spoilers. Yeah. So everybody knows. Okay. Yes. If if you have not watched Ozark yet, I'm giving you the warning right now. Fast forward ten minutes in the show. If you are watching or listening live and you don't want to know, come back and rejoin us at 11:55. All right. Everybody good. Now we move on. What were you? Th- there was a general disappointment from the populace at large about mm-hmm. how things ended. Okay. How are you feeling about it? I'm okay with it. Um, you know, I would have. I felt like there were some serious plot holes um, in the end there with a bunch of stuff that was going on. Like, for example. Uh, we really need to, to see you and find out what happened to my son. I have serious questions. Next thing you know, they're sitting down just having a conversation, and she still wants to know, but it's not as adamant about it. Or, mm-hmm. you know, we need you to go down to the jail and meet with. I just thought there was going to be more to it than, like, oh, ho, hum, I'm just going to check myself in a mental institution. Everything will be fine. It's, it's, it's almost like, I don't know, I just felt like it, it didn't work with the rest of it. I was fine with the other parts of it. Somebody kind of ruined it for me by giving out hints that the final episode was ruthless and this and that. And I'm going, okay, well, that uh, either means one thing. Uh, she kills everyone or yeah. she gets killed. And, yeah. You know, so it kind of ruined it for me a little bit. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I enjoyed the show overall. I don't need the, 
the the ending that everybody wants. Some people hate the Sopranos esque ending, but I was fine with it. So I'm I'm struggling with two things, right? The the mm-hmm. the first thing that I struggle with is. Like everyone else, I definitely did not think that you could allow for the birds to all come out of it unscathed, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I did not think that that was an okay way for it to end. But the final final line is so effed up and so, like, the This Is America, like, Mm -hmm. holy crap, it actually did work for me. It was frustrating, but it did work for me, and that, I believe, was the point, right? The point yeah. was to piss you off by saying, no, nah, this is probably the type of thing that plays out somewhere in America right now. Like, there's probably truly evil people that are getting away with whatever it is they want to get away with, whereas people just get caught up in their crosshairs, and you can literally, like, ruin an entire family in the process, the way that um, they did the Langmores, you know? Like... Not to say the Langmores were good people, but you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, it, the biggest issue for me, when you point out the plot points, the biggest issue that I have is Maya. The idea that you just have this end where Maya has now you know, entered into a new relationship with someone who is hell-bent on getting the birds. Maya was clearly hell-bent on getting the birds to the point where she said, I will end this relationship if you don't go try to get the birds. And she's not cleaned up in any way. She's still out there. So we're just supposed to believe that the birds go on being who they are and having all of this power when you left someone who now has even more of a reason to hate them and want to come after them. That doesn't work for me. Maya yeah. is a huge plot problem that I have in all of this. Yeah, I just, I again, that's another one where I kind of thought there were just some it's not like we're taking a movie about aliens and picking it apart and saying, oh, this doesn't work, that doesn't work, uh, or you know, some sort of sci-fi thing. I've, I heard somebody else picking apart a movie, and I'm going, I think it was the Fast and Furious movies, and you're going, that's the part you're upset about? Right, like, right. This, why don't you, <laughs> should be upset about some of this other stuff. They went into space for crying out loud. Um, but, you know, when it comes down to this, I just thought there were some serious plot holes, even though like the show overall worked for me, and I really enjoyed it. Um, would love if there was another season. So but, um, I, I am you know. I am convinced that the only way you get because I the, I'm telling you, the Maya one is the one that stands out above everything else to me. Like the other plot, I I can sort of wince and say, all right, that wasn't perfect, but it made it work. That that's beyond any reasonable. Like you're really trying to tell a story that involves this person that is now the most hell bent of everyone just going away. And and by the way, maybe you could have done that. Maybe you could have just had a scene where Maya decides I don't need any of this anymore, and I'm I'm done with it. I'm I'm moving on. But you literally did the exact opposite of that. You literally had her get after Mel when Mel didn't want to go any further and was ready to be done with it. And you could tell she forced him literally to his death, which I would think would probably weigh on her a bit. You know what I mean? The only thing that I could possibly think is it's because you're trying to do some sort of Maya spinoff of some sort. I I just can't fathom you would leave such a gaping plot point if there wasn't a thought to try to do something else. Yeah, and and, you know, like my whole thought process too with uh, the... The ending and everything. Uh, I agree with you about the the birds and what should have happened, um, but they did take their best care. And when all is said and done, they take the best character they have on the show. One of two was Marty Bird being the yep. other. I think 
Or even Wendy Bird. Maybe I'm. Uh, no, he, I mean, those what, are the three main characters. When, I guess that's true. Wendy was a, a good character, but in the way that you hated her. You yeah. hated Wendy. Uh-huh. Yes. Especially in the end, she's checking herself into a mental right? institution. Right? Like, manipulative. 100%. Yeah. 100%. All right. Anything else we need to say about it? No, um, I did. I know you give me usually give me some. Uh, time to talk about what's coming up on the show. I don't know. We we'll John get to Bear that. I just, meant, I just meant specifically. Oh, you got burnt? Th- Damn it, I'm jealous. Yeah. Um, hang on a second. I'm going to tell Paul that he can come back was the point. I was trying to I was trying to let my producer know he could come back and produce the show again. That was what I was trying to do there. You got burnt. I'm jealous of that. I've I've, I've had everybody else, but I, I couldn't track down burnt thought. I'm excited. When is that? Uh, tomorrow at 9.30. Oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. Um, have you been... Are you caught up? I gotta watch uh, this week's episode, um, so I'm not caught up on that. Usually, I watch that either tonight or at the latest Tuesday. Um, but um, you know, as we were talking before about, so I was I sent Barenthal a message just talking about like how much he reminded me of Wayne Jenkins and his mannerisms, and you know, even for those that, up, for those that don't remember, Jeremy knew Wayne Jenkins. Yeah, so we uh, we lived in kind of like the same neighborhood as his kids, played basketball together, and. Like even now, if we ran into each other, we, you know, uh, without I, even seeing it. I, I hope that's not going to happen. <laughs> well, be a different kind of hello. I yeah, think. it would be. Should I put my nipple in the glass when I go? Oh, Billy, oh, when I see Jesus. him. No, but but uh, you know, like the the way I knew him was totally different than all the stuff that I'm seeing on the show, which is one of those weird mind deaths. You know, when when people ask you, I always said, like, there's a, there was a certain person in our line of work. Where anytime anybody asked him about him, he's like, oh, that guy's the biggest a-hole in the world. And people would ask me about him. i said, well, he was nothing but nice to me. Um, I can tell you who that is off the air. Okay. Which you'd probably agree with the other oh, one. Oh, I'm, I'm, I don't doubt it. Yeah, so, um, but I would always say that because that was my interaction with him. So my interactions with, with, with Wayne were always great. Us playing sports, just BS and, you know, chopping it up. I didn't have, uh, you know, obviously if I knew about all the illegal stuff, you might feel a lot differently. So now watching it, it's like, man. Can't believe that's the same person. Um, I, look, I think Bernthal's been excellent, and I, again, I don't know Wayne Jenkins, right? So I can't, I can't speak to that side of it. I, I, I couldn't tell you about his mannerisms, but my God, I mean, I just think he is the the he has played this to a T for the exact manipulative, I, I you know, I'm a cop, so I can get away with whatever I want type of a hole. That makes you believe it's a bigger problem when they're trying to tell you no, it was all con- you know constricted with inside the GTT. I mean, I just think that he has nailed it. I think he's outstanding in this role. Yeah, I thought Josh Charles was amazing as Herschel oh too. Like, uh, I-, I love that character. Yeah. Well, I even know. Let me just say this: that's a real person that he's portraying, but the character he's playing, like it's he's doing such a phenomenal job. It's funny because I like the moment I watched it at first, I messaged him. I was like, dude, I. I am convinced that this was the time of your life between the accent and just the unrepentant asshole nature, like the yeah. unrepentant. I am just, and he pointed out, like, I really wanted to try to find the humanity in the guy. And he points to the scene in the bar where like, yes, he's being a dick to the, um, oh, I can't even remember the name, the, the name of the gal who they had working for the feds. But then he turns around and he's with his buddies and you see him just being one of the guys for a second. And, you know, he's not always an asshole in every group. In some search situations, he's just one of the guys. Like, it was, it, it's fascinating to me. It's fa- I mean, the show's outstanding. It's 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 an yeah. incredible piece of art. But, yeah. yeah that- so, I love it. I, I mean, I just watch, I can't, now that winning time's over with, too, you're trying to find shows. I just started watching 
the offer on Paramount. I don't know that. Redoing, that's uh, where they're kind of showing you how The Godfather was made. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, right, 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 right. Uh, it's, uh, I've watched the first episode. That's really good. And, you know, there's some other stuff that's coming out as well that I want to see. Have you? There have been a lot of people that have complained about the pacing in this season of Better Call Saul. Have you... I know you know what's funny is I watched like the first three episodes ever of Better Call Saul and I'm waiting for it to be done done. And oh, I'm, you haven't I'll okay watched the whole thing. Okay, yeah. All right, we'll save that. There's been a lot of complaints. It's been a particularly slow moving season of Better Call. Mm. Which Better Call Saul's always been a little bit more slow moving than um, Breaking Bad was, but yeah. I think they're right that this has been a particularly slow moving season, and and almost. Like I still love the characters, I'm still gripped by it, but I also have found myself saying like, "Get to it." We are wasting a lot of time on kind of overacting and 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 cinematography that's just not necessary. I haven't hit that point yet. I'm so interested to see what happens with Kim Wexler. I get it. I get it. My, I, get it. My, 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 I don't want to give anything away because Jeremy's. This is, he, now you're trying to do to him what we just tried to no, avoid there, doing there, to you. There, there's nothing. There's no spoilers right. here. There's no, there, right. there's no spoilers here. She just. Um, she's not in Breaking yes, we, Bad. We know, but we don't know any reason why that. Neither there's do a I. million reasons why it could be the case, and I am interested in that. I want to know, but I. This has been a very slow-moving season, is the point. It's been a slow-moving season. All right. Uh, at JeremyCon1057 on Twitter is how you follow him. Big Bad Morning Show, 1057 The Fan, every morning. I promised Rob I'd come by one day. He's never tried the uh, Utz Fried Pickle Chips. So well, I'm going to come by. I don't know when it'll be, but I'm going to stop by with a gift for you guys at some point this okay. week. All right? No, that sounds good. Anytime you want, man. And I guess I, I shouldn't tell uh, Paul that... that uh, that Ruth um, kind of she becomes a cuckold, and she makes Marty watch her and Wendy. It's, it's a really weird. I just, the way the, the season's going, I just, I just assumed that's how it ended. Yeah. Let All the right. boy watch. All right, buddy. Uh, so. Love you. Anyway. Appreciate you. Up Talk to you next Monday. All right, man. It's okay. Jeremy Con, one zero five seven. The fan checking in with us. I'm not. I'm not out on Better Call Saul, but this has been a point that's been made by many, and they're not wrong. This season. There's always been the issue of their cold opens, mm-hmm. which sometimes seem to be relevant. They're like foreshadowing something. And sometimes it's just like an artsy two-minute, here's an opera song over us combing through someone's. It's like a it's cinematography for cinematography's sake. I mean, Breaking Bad did the same thing, though. Not everyone was as... These have felt more useless these have felt more purposeless and there have been more dragged out just facial expression like scenes whose entire point was the facial expression you feel like this much of this season has been setting up for a swerve that so much of the stuff we've seen is Saul or Jimmy putting a bunch of things into motion because he has a bigger plan that he and Kim have concocted. And then you feel like from that is going to come something Mm -hmm. and that will be the story of why we don't see Kim, whatever that, does she go to jail? Does she die? Does she, you know, do do they just split and she doesn't want anything to do with him any longer? What is the reason? That's what we're all building to is what is that Mm -hmm. moment. And it's going to stem from, 
all of the foundation that he's been laying with all the stuff with Howard and all of that nonsense, but it just feels like it's dragged. Like there should have been more significant plot points during the season to lead up to whatever that was. It has felt more like it's just been a prolonged walk towards whatever that thing ends up being. I'm also interested to know what happens to Howard. Um, because I mean, why would he have been in Breaking Bad? Yeah, that's but sort the of the point. That he's such like an integral character in this show, but you needed you, you needed to create integral characters for this yeah. show. Like you had to do that. But the other integral characters that we've seen in this show are also in Breaking Bad, except for Howard. Well, the, you and Kim uh, when you mean the just the cartel like folks, those. I mean, What's another character in this show that's not in Breaking Bad? That's uh, not I mean, Joe, his, but his but, brother. Like, I mean, yeah, there's they, a lot of yeah, but they killed him off too. I understand ago. that, but they had to create. It was an entirely new show. They had to create more characters in order to make this work, right? right. Like, I just feel like these are two really central characters. That there's something happens to both of them, in my opinion. I I think it's like Howard just doesn't go back to going about his business. Mm. I just don't think there's any way that that's a thing. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know because I do think it's it's totally possible that at some point, like you can you can just go live your life. Like mm-hmm. if you're if you're Saul Goodman, especially with whatever happens with Kim, you can just accept who you are at some point and be successful doing that, and no longer be concerned about the former firm and you know anything that happened with your brother, and just sort of get on with it because context, particularly again depending on what happens with Kim, I don't know that it needs to be dramatic. I, I find it interesting that they haven't had one of those soft opens or slow opens or whatever you called it um, dating back to Jimmy now. You know what I mean? You know how they would start each show, it, it's him now yeah. at Cinnabon? And they, had, yeah. they may have done it once or twice last season, but they haven't done it all this season. Maybe that's coming. Yeah. But... I they feel they like that opened gonna, the last season with the Cinnabon one. That was yeah. the first episode of the last season. And I feel the, like that that's going to tie back in, and maybe he has a run-in with Kim now. I, maybe. Maybe. No idea. Maybe. It's possible. All right. Uh, we come back in. We'll get a tidbit. We'll get to be able to wrap it up. Today's show also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models, a RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Hey, O's fans, break out the orange and black to celebrate the 30th anniversary of Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Watch the O's take on the Tampa Bay Rays May 20th through the 22nd. Get to the yard early on May 20th when the first 10,000 fans 15 and over will receive a 30th anniversary tumbler presented by Masson. A variety of ticket options are available, including the Orioles Flexible Ticket Bank, Kids Cheer Free, and more. Visit Orioles.com slash tickets to find a ticket option that's right for you. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. PressBox is available for free at over 500 areas 
area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Tuesday morning at 1140. Fandle Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and even a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday at 1140 a.m. Brought to you by the Fandle Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash-fried pork belly with our popular Korean number 2 sauce, and take a bite out of the Crunch Burger topped with home-run sauce, white American cheese, and house-made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball-cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at Facebook.com slash Sports. And try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. All right, back in here as we wind down for a Monday edition of the program. Let's go ahead and get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you today by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. That's the place to be for all of the big events coming up this month, the Champions League final, the playoffs. You'll be able to watch the Preakness there if you're not going. Unfortunately, can't bet. That's just the nature of the laws in Maryland. If you're going to bet horse racing, you got to be at the track. But they'll have the race on this Saturday if you want to hang out as you're betting other things. Plus, there's the Javante Davis, Rolando Romero fight, so much more. The spot, PGA Championship this weekend, the spot for all of it. The FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. If you are looking to hang out and bet using those 61 self-service kiosks for any particular event specifically, email events at sportssocialmd.com. That way you can reserve your spot, your table, your reclining chairs, whatever you want for you and your group ahead of time to guarantee your spot in the FanDuel Sportsbook. What you got for us? All right, so yesterday, or last night, Adam Wainwright went six innings of three-hit, two-run ball to pick up his fourth win of the season and his 188th win of his career. However, it was the 203rd time in St. Louis Cardinals history that the starting battery 
was of, of a winning game that, of a car, of a game that the Cardinals won was Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina, mm. which passed Warren Spahn and catcher Del Crandall. Ah, that uh, was my next guess. As yeah. the winningest battery in the history of Major League Baseball. Despite that fact, Adam Wainwright, while he has won 20 games twice, has never won more than 20 games in a season. He evened out a 20 uh, wins twice and won 19 games twice. Okay. The Orioles have had tw- have had five pitchers win 20 ga- 21 games or more in a season, a feat accomplished 12 times overall. Who were those five pitchers? Uh, Jim Palmer. Jim Palmer. He accomplished the feat five times. Uh, McNa- McNally. Dave McNally accomplished the feat two times. Three times, excuse me. Uh, Cuellar. Cuellar also accomplished the feat three times. Uh, oh, boy. This, does, this is where it's get, it gets harder. I figure you'd probably get the first three. Yeah. I mean, like now, because can, I can think of guys who did it, well, not 21s, but I can, I don't, 21 is such a weird number. I definitely can think of other 20-game winners the Orioles have had. But well, it's I, more than 20 games. I, I understand what you're saying, but yeah. like I, I don't know if they won 20 or if they won 24. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like once you get to 20, it's just that's sort of the number. Um, I mean, I'm just I'm just guessing. So Flanagan, Mike Flanagan, he won 23 in 1979. <sighs> I figured you might get him too. Dobson, no. Barber. No. Stone. Steve Stone, the all-time winningest season in the history of the Baltimore Orioles franchise. He won 25 games in 1980. But then when he did it again? No, no, no. He was saying it had to win more than 20 in one time. Yeah. Yes, okay. Sorry, 21 was the number. Yes. I knew he had a 21 season, but I didn't know if it was... 25 in 1980. I didn't know how many it was. All right. Very good. Here's what's coming up uh, totally tubular-wise. Totally tubular is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Spring seasonal still available for the rest of the month, so that means you got about a two-week warning to get over and try it, including the opener, the flash-fried pork belly with the Korean number two sauce, as well as the strawberry salmon salad, as well as the Cracker Jack Sunday. It's all available right now at your neighborhood, Glory Days Grill, glorydaysgrill.com, in order to get your order in. Orioles and Yankees tonight, 7 o'clock on Masson, Luis Severino and Kyle Bradish, the pitching matchup. Masson 2 for Nationals Marlins at 640. MLB Network's got Astros Red Sox at 7, Diamondbacks Dodgers at 11. You can watch the Preakness draw this afternoon on, I believe, YouTube at 4 o'clock. I think on their website as well in order to find out if uh, where the horses are going to be lined up. USA for Newcastle United and Arsenal at 3. WWE Raw tonight at 8. Brilliant decision on uh, the NA- the NBA did not have a playoff game scheduled for tonight because of how the uh, series ended underway un- under this weekend. So great decision by the NHL to not figure out a way to make sure they could get a game tonight so that they could take advantage of the fact that nobody would be distracted by an NBA game. Just a brilliant, brilliant decision all around so that here we are in the throes of the playoffs, right in the midst of everything, and we got nothing. Extend the Caps-Panthers series to nine games? 
Well, that one uh, I don't think anybody needed to see any more of at that point. <laughs> I think that one uh, was good and over. However, like the way that uh, Dallas Calgary ended with the uh, Ottinger, the goalie from Dallas last night, making like sixty saves, mm. but ultimately Calgary fi- fi- figuring out a way to win in overtime. And they were tremendous game sevens. The Rangers Penguins game seven was excellent. They're a tremendous seven game series, but for some reason they did not prioritize figuring out a way to make sure they had a game tonight so instead that'll get back underway tomorrow uh non-sports uh non-sports i mean shakira is going to be on uh, uh the tonight show with jimmy fallon at a, well, we a found out fun. buck showalter is a huge shakira fan over he the is. weekend I, I guarantee he'll be tuned in i, I, um, I it's not it's not what matters maybe what matters. he was there for the taping i don't know I, I he was very excited to meet shakira at a baseball game uh better call saul uh, at nine o'clock on amc and we own the city at nine o'clock on hbo and that's right. it very good Thanks today to Jeremy Kahn. Thanks also to Keegan Aiken of the Baltimore Orioles and to Kadri Ismail. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the Archives. tab at glennclarkradio.com. On the program tomorrow, Baltimore legend Muggsy Bogues scheduled to join us. Um, he's got a new book out. It's called Muggsy, believe it or not. We'll talk to him about that, his life, his career. I'm actually uh, well into the book. Um, a lot of his upbringing in Baltimore. There's something that... I did not know at all about Muggsy Bogues. had no idea about his upbringing in Baltimore that I think is kind of significant. So I look forward to chatting with him. I don't want to give it away. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Um, Donald Carey scheduled to join us tomorrow. The uh, Maryland. Tentatively. Tentatively scheduled to join us tomorrow. Don't his, know. His, his father said he thinks he can do it, but he has to. All right. To all right. All right. So a uh, transfer from Georgetown that is to come to Maryland again, much like Jameer Young, keeping his name in the NFL draft or the NFL draft, the NBA draft process, maybe the NFL draft process too, uh, keeping his name in the NBA draft process, but saying if I come back to school, it will be at Maryland mm-hmm. uh, next year. And Patrick Stevens will join us as he does every Tuesday. We will preview the big Maryland-Virginia lacrosse showdown. That's all coming up tomorrow. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, the Baltimore Police, Great Eights Memorabilia, the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and a Hotel, the Baltimore Orioles, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Paul at Paul Valley III. Thanks to Ryan at Rex Specs Ryan. Follow us, Glenn Clark Radio, on Twitter and Instagram. Have a great Monday evening. Go Birds. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too.